Ready, Dave? Everybody, it's Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be, they might giants. be giants. Sorry, forgot I was here. And that is the name of my f- furry friendly friend, uh, Dave Fox. Hey, everybody. And this is Jordan Cooper, and we are We're back. finally going to finish Apollo 18. Uh, Just Apollo 18. Wow, we're still on that. We're still on Apollo 18. It's only been since, what was it, March? The aughts. Most people are going to be hearing this past <laughs> all this, you know, in the future where there'll be no literal break for them anyway. Well, so. there'll be no sense of time. That's right. We'll no all be we'll all time. be just energy forms. We're talking about like billions of years in the future, right? I assume this will still be around. Before we get to Apollo 18, there's some uh, little updates I want to call do. it housekeeping. Uh, yeah, um, not around this house. I have to say. Um, oh man, we're back. Haven't lost it. Okay, so first uh, in our discussion about see the constellation. Now this will be familiar. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Uh, this will be familiar to people who follow us on Twitter. But being that that's a, a small <laughs> small count, yeah, I don't even. Um, I think more people will be interested to hear this from the, the our own lips, our own juicy lips. We wondered, juicy lips. Go on. What, we wondered what the uh, photo that Flansburg described. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, that remember is, we yep. never talked about this on the show. Um, there was a photograph of an Electra artist, a a female artist lying on train tracks and that mm-hmm. inspired the opening lyrics to see the constellation for five hundred dollars dave no. we found out from a, a gracious a gracious uh fan josh from connecticut is how he told me he'd like to be uh referred so to he says yeah um that is what he said <laughs> day i remember dave at his wedding it was like do you take this and he's like so she says <laughs> And I pointed at her like, this guy. He sent us the photo that inspired John, Sfla- John Flansburg. And it was of Sarah Hickman, the electric artist. She is a songwriter. She is a wonderful person. That picture is from the Sarah Hickman album called Equal Scary People. She even caught wind of this on her own yeah, Instagram that. and Facebook and reposted it and was all excited yep. that and because she, she never knew. Dave, we're like bridging these things together for these people involved in these God's work. I noticed many of people we interview, many of people, many of people we interview have no. Uh, they're hearing a lot Mem- of memories, things for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, is that what happened? Um, but yeah, so Sarah Hickman had no idea she inspired see the constellation. Well, you're welcome. She, she, I think it maybe not literally, but she seemed thankful to us for bringing that to attention and just as a little for a little context let's listen to a song from sarah hickman from that very album that the picture is from about a train all right and it'll all tie it together and then we could move the get on with our goddamn lives (laughs) just kidding i'm very excited to play this sarah hickman this is called 500x and in parentheses the train song which helped me out when i was looking for if she had songs about trains okay
You you cannot get more train, of a train vibe yeah, in a song. There's a lot of train things going on. I'm a, I would assume that in, might have inspired the the photo. So that's a song that indirectly inspired See the Constellation, which is a song as we said is kind of about being inspired by all these other things of music right. and the Ramones and the Monkeys and oh my god. We did it again. The only other we're incorrigible breaking news. There's they release. I like to keep current here. They released a few new. They might be giant songs as a preview of their new album book. Dave, I heard we're right on top of this shit. We're going to talk about the 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 now. Okay, then and now we've got. I lost Thursday. I lost Thursday. I had it somewhere. Don't say it's where I left it. I lost Thursday. Like it was nothing That fact is uncontested I am sleepy So let's, let's talk just a little, just first impressions. You know, you, you meet someone on a blind date, you got a yeah. first impression. My name is Dave. Yeah, that's what Dave says on the first thing on a blind date. My name is Dave. Um, Why well, don't give some other name? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe I shouldn't make fun of that. That's a pretty normal thing to say. Start with a lie. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Start with a filthy lie. I say my name might be Jordan. A little mystery is good. My here. name is Brad Pitt. <laughs> Maybe you heard of my movies. Yeah. I Lost Thursday. Uh, we heard this uh, quite a while ago. They put this out. So. Uh, the world hears it now. The world <laughs> rejoins, rejoices. Rejoices. <laughs> I forgot how to talk since we had an episode. Yeah, we both looked at each other during one part of the song we were listening to. I, I like the part that's like, nah, 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 nah. I don't know the lyrics yet. Nah, 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 nah. Wow. Uh, it's like, hey, Jude. <laughs> right. like, um, no, it's very catchy, yes. fun. It's a very pleasing part uh, of the song. Got a vibe that it's about pandemic times. <laughs> I have a feeling like there's going to be a yeah. similar to I Like Fun's uh Post uh, Trump vibe. Right, right. Uh, this is going to have a probably mostly okay. unintentional pandemic sure. vibe, as they claim m much of the album was done before the pandemic. Um, but Interesting. they seem to have weird uh, radar synchronicity. For these. <laughs> yeah, um, but we're going to obviously talk about all that stuff in way in the. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get it. I We're going to be like 60 years old when that episode comes out. But I'm not going to get this album. I got enough of their albums. Yeah, yeah. I skip every other album. I think that's wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I like a band, it's like you you want some surprises left over in the future. Yeah. Like maybe I'll buy it in a few years. Um, yeah, I, I, I lost. There's a what, what strikes me. It's like it's hard picturing it on an album, maybe because I've, I've heard it by itself a bunch of times. Sure. But it's like, where does this go on an album? Track two, track 18. It's weird. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a strange song. I don't know. It's I'm still kind of wrapping, more a track two. I'm wrapping my head around it's it. It's a track two or three. Yeah. I wonder, do you think that they're putting this out as like, this is one of the best on the album. Check it out. Like a single? Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like that to me. Um, it might be a little too weird Maybe in it's parts. Maybe Flansbury's doing a strange voice yeah. <laughs> at one part that sounds like he's doing an impression of someone specific. It's like Joe Franklin or something. Right. Something. And it does harken back to the first album a little bit. Mm -hmm. In that respect. Yeah, I always like the voices. Um, I'm a big fan of the voice of that show, as you know, and, and sure. I'm a big fan of the, all the voices they do. Um, all the voices in my head. And now let's quickly just, I broke my own rule, was put out very recently. recently. Everything's wrecked, everything is wrecked. Smashed up, destroyed, smashed up.
Dave, I'll ask you. Uh, we just listened to it. What what Seems happened like, in your brain? I like it. I think I have to listen to it more, like you said, very mm-hmm. new. Seems like another ambitious Linnell composition. Yeah, I like I like a little the, bit dark. Yeah, well, I, I'll say this: I really like the lyrics because yeah, they're, the lyrics are very. He's getting more and more. Um, <laughs> he's getting more and more like I'm not even gonna obscure the <laughs> sad, dark feelings. They're just gonna yeah. be out there. I've noticed in the past few years, um, which I, I have to say is sort of what something I always would like to do in lyrics. I kind of like throwing throwing that right in people's faces, and it usually gets a laugh. I notice in an audience. Yeah. But um, uh, musically, it's it's definitely as Linnellian as you could get. Uh, sure. There there is that little there's a little chord progression that I'm. I feel like he's. It's in a lot of they might be giant songs mm-hmm. that, that it's like do 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 do. That I'm like I wish there was something a little weirder happening there. But there's a lot of weirdness throughout. Like there's a lot of like the backwards reverb happening. Yeah. I do think I overall I I lean positive towards both these songs. Body positive. <laughs> Body po- song positivity. Yeah. Don't song shame, Dave. Never, never. Okay, well, let's get back into and get the hell out of Apollo 18. We've been trapped. The, we're we've been escape. trapped in our space capsule. In space, no one can hear you sing Hypnotist of Ladies. Be- Oh, those darn hypnotists of ladies. This. What do you do with them? Um, we all know those guys. There's there's a few things to talk about with this song. Not two, I'd say two. Two things. <laughs> Music. The word hypnotist. And the lyrics. And the word ladies. Yeah. So, yeah, the lyrics I, I could probably blab about in terms of uh, personal reasons. You know, I've heard some kind of strangely dark interpretations of this song from other fans. Really? But I, I don't want to really touch that. Uh, what I do want to touch... Are <laughs> I'm right here, man. Is <laughs> Dave? Make your move. Shoot your shot. As a, um, you know, as a junior high school high school boy. <laughs> as a Jew. Um, as a Jew. As a Jew, this song means a lot to me. So t- I've just seen the song as as fitting right into Flansburg's song yes. kind of r- song Love cycle lost. on this album, yes. which is that all these songs, especially you just heard "If I Wasn't Shy" uh, recently yeah. on the album, it's just like I really want to talk to that girl over there. <laughs> like yeah. for me, like she's actual size. If I wasn't shy, and this song, you're kind of like I see a girl woman, whatever. I want to talk to her, but it's hard for various reasons: mm-hmm. shyness. Then and if I this if I wasn't shy is kind of the other side of the coin to hypnotist of ladies, which is right. the hypnotist of ladies is the you know the kind of dude that has no problem talking to right. girls and and getting them to to fall for him and and I don't see anything mm-hmm. nefarious there. Just it's more just like something me and Dave when we were both single and and young mm-hmm. would always complain about, which is like why does this girl I like like this jerk guy why is she with him why is she with him and you know a tale as old as time i've noticed in the past few years that the idea of the nice guy mm-hmm. quote marks has kind of gone under fire is like oh nice guys are also bad and blah right. blah, blah i took like that, incels yeah or just like oh you're a nice guy but you want to like own this like dictate what this lady is attracted to or you know I, to, speaking personally it was never about that it was more about like 
I have a lot of, you know, care and love to give yeah. to some special lady out there. And all I want to do is like have a fun relationship with some girl fun. out there. Fun. And, uh, and I can't get it. And meanwhile, I've got some, I've had, I think it's, it's very cliche, but I've had it happen to mm-hmm. me where the girl I have a crush on is telling me about the jerk guy she's with and how right. he's an asshole. And you're, you're there and you're like, what about me? But you know, at the same time, it's like, she has the right oh, to nice not guys finish last. be attracted to you. You know, she's, you can't just, I, I, the more older you get. And I, I, I know we have younger listeners to this show. Two-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This one's for you, babies. I realized over time that it's, it's not about any of those things. It's not about she should like me or she shouldn't like him. It's all about just when it happens, it happens. Like when I met, we call it chemistry. Yeah. When I met my girlfriend, I realized, oh, it's supposed to be effortless. You're not supposed to be talking someone into liking you. In a sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it should be a negotiation. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I went on a, as Dave knows, and as f- fans of my life know, <laughs> I'm a big fan. I went on almost 50 dates, uh, online dates before I met my girlfriend and, and and even when I really liked a girl or, or vice versa, it'd be like, uh, there'd be this, um, a lot of effort given of like, oh, I've got to say this. I've got to, uh, oh, I hope she calls yeah. me. Oh, oh, what did that text the mean? The right person should put you at ease. Yeah. And I noticed with Kristen, my girlfriend, is that it was like so easy. It was just yeah. so like, it was just happened so Hard easily. Hard to maintain. Maybe. Well, that takes work. I mean, in general, <laughs> not just you. No, no, um, no. Yeah. But sure, the, everyone the, has the ups initial and downs. meeting, right? Exactly. I mean, any relationship several, worth, worth a damn, you I'm need kinda, to put effort into. I'm talking about like this the, one, the first few months of yeah. of courtship. Right? We call that the honeymoon phase. Anyway, I don't know if we're getting off off I track so. here. Okay, but this is about the guy that just finds it very easy to talk to women and put them under his spell, so it, to speak. It's about him uh, in an outside sense, but I also think it's about the narrator who's jealous of this, right? And for sure, he's kind of being like, "What the, you know." What, what the hey? What the f u c k? Dave, I'm gonna try to not curse. No, I'm gonna curse. Um, I'm trying to curse less. Yeah, <laughs> it's a crutch. It's about the guy who's kind of women seem to fall for him despite uh, whatever character flaws he. Men want to be him, and women want to be with him. <laughs> yeah, despite the character flaws that is kind of apparent to all who aren't hypnotized by him, yeah. right? Like, oh, he kind of uh, insulted the, her to her face, but she's leaving the bar with him, kind of thing, right? You think hypnosis is real? This is a great topic. <laughs> okay, so here, no, no, let's talk about this. And this is this wasn't in my notes or anything, but I love that Dave asked this because I think about this a lot, and I've talked about this with Kristen actually. Yeah. Because so, I, I, for one, don't. We're, me and Dave are both, we're both like very, I think we're both skeptics about yeah. a lot of things. We're not really into astrology or we're both kind Astronomy. of agnostic-ish, right? Yeah. We're not religious. Um, we certainly I have, believe in the power of love. So. Yeah. And so I see things like, you know, there's like homeopathy cures mm. and, and psychic readings and all these things where I go like, you know, and it's easy enough <laughs> to Google um, skeptical uh counter uh points to these things right even stuff like acupuncture i don't understand because i've i once was like someone once told me to get acupuncture yeah and to me that instinctively seemed like silly uh 
like not real science. I can't confirm or deny. It just I seemed, know that it's helped people. Yeah, that, well, that's what's weird. And um, so like I Google it. All you have to do is Google like acupuncture scam. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I feel like it's like all your Google you get searches. Tons of articles <laughs> being like, here's scam? why it's not real. And then but then you get other people being like it I guess cured me. Out. Sure. And so it's very confusing to me. Um, maybe that's I hope psychosomatic. People, who knows? Yeah. I hope people get that. I'm saying I have no idea. But that yeah. my my skeptical mindset is. So hypnotism is always like, I'm always like, wait, is, it seems like it's real <laughs> because you could literally see videos of people being hypnotized and they claim yeah. they're just real people. And well, those always seem very fake. Sometimes it seems fake, but sometimes people will really seem hypnotized and sometimes it seems extreme and they use hypnosis to talk about like uh, buried trauma. And, right. Oh, I was going to say buried treasure. Buried treasure. <laughs> That's how we find out where the, yes. the treasure is. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it did that, I'd be all for it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me where the treasure is. So it, it's weird. Yeah, and like you could you use hypnosis to remember like your high school locker combination and things that are – because we know these things are in our brain somewhere, yeah. right? And Which also is a separate topic that freaks me out is all the stuff in your brain that is just sitting there that you can All access. the murders I've witnessed. Yeah. So I don't know. We, we don't we, – we, I was hoping we'd solve this, but I don't know if hypnosis yeah. – it seems – like it's super fake and not real, but I've never seen a good, um, you know, like the Penn and Teller bullshit show where they, Penn, you know, claimed magicians, Penn and Teller, they kind of t do their, it's a kind of a political, very harshly politically bent show, which I found interesting, even when I disagreed with it, which was often. Um, but it's sort of them just being like, we don't like this thing and we're going to tell you why. And, right. and they did episodes like that. Like, is hypnotism real? Is this real? And, they did one about similar to hypnotism. They did one about exorcisms. And well, come on. The one, no, but here's the thing. <laughs> Sorry. They never gave a good counterpoint. <laughs> they just said, oh, it's silly. It's obviously not real. But they, uh, um, as opposed to other episodes that had pretty good talking points about sure. the, the exorcism one, I was like, if it's like 25 minutes long episode, I'm like waiting for like me to be like, okay, there's the magic. Th there's the central point of yeah. why it's not real. And they never do it. So I, I'm like, maybe it's real. <laughs> I assume exorcism is just. Uh, severe mental health problems. That's what I assume too, but they don't say that. They don't really say anything except obviously there's no uh, evidence for hell or demon. And it's like, well, yeah. Right. But what then what's happening in these videos? You can watch videos of like exorcisms. Well, hallucinations are real. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, sure. And schizophrenia is real. I yeah. Mean, these are real I mean, what people, people might not realize is there's no Dave. I do this all by myself. <laughs> I'm, there's That's an the empty chair episode. in front of me. Yeah. yeah. Like lost. <laughs> like, exactly. Fight club. Um, no, just spoil two let's things. Let's just for spoil people. everything. Uh, you know, it's been done a lot. I think we're getting off track. So, anyway. Again? <laughs> yeah. Um, hypnotist of ladies. Okay. So, we don't know if. Well, we're right. not getting off track <laughs> okay. because the reason I asked if you think it's real or not is yeah. because the protagonist then in the song has like an extra level of mm. smarminess to him, depending on your views of hypnotism. Oh, sh well, please elaborate because I'm confused. I'm just saying if, if hypnotism, as I believe, is not real either, then this guy who is a hypnotist has that extra layer of not only do women love me, but I use this like douchey thing to do it. Yeah. Well, maybe let's put the lyrics aside for a moment and talk about the music of Hypnotist of Ladies, of, yeah. of which I have... I like a, the music a lot. I have a few things. Yeah, so... My the first note I made was 
why do I know this feel of this music? Like, where have I heard this before? Like, what is this called? And this then, delay reverb effect, you mean? The, the Yeah, that, well, the rhythm, like the feel, I was like, this is a genre, but what is the genre? Because oh, okay. I'm like, I know this, but what is it? And Bossa that, Nova. That happens a lot. So what I, what I kind of dug into, and this might be not news to many of our listeners, but you never know, it's the Bo Diddley rhythm. What's the technique of Bo Diddley? Flansburg has actually talked about Bo Diddley before, um, so I wanted to bring that to light. So first of all, let's listen to like a Bo Diddley. He was, you know, a uh, 50s, 60s guitarist. He he innovated this rhythm of playing, uh-huh. which is like, for lack of a better explanation, it's right. And it's funny to imagine like that hadn't been done before. But apparently not. So here's a song called Bo Diddley. <laughs> He's very a lot of a lot of ego here. All right. This is by Bo Diddley. The song is called Bo Diddley, and it's the same song as that, but better quality. And this sounds like Hypnotist of Ladies. The I want candy rhythm. Yeah, it's I want candy. He's a hypnotist. <laughs> it's like the same tempo. Right. I want candy. It is cool. They should yeah. make music like this more. Yeah. They, whoever they are. They, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the space like, lizards. <laughs> that's the Bo Diddley thing. And and then I, I I was interested in I explored Bo Diddley for a bit, and there is this one song of his that I wanted to talk about because called hypnotists of candy. They, yeah. That would be amazing. That would be a real get for the show. No, um, he has a song where the lyrics are so they might be giants-ish really? that I'm like, maybe he was a big influence. So it's funny. It's a pretty famous song, Who Do You Love, which you could probably even hear in your head, right? Sure. Who do you love? The lyrics to Who Do You Love are, uh, I'll, I'll say them, but let's listen to it for a bit. I walk 47 miles of barbed wire. I use a cobra snake for a necktie. I got a brand new house on the roadside. Made from rattlesnake hide. I got a brand new chimney made on top. Made out of a human skull. Now come on, take a little walk with me, Arlene, and tell me who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? Tombstone hand in a graveyard mine. Just 22 and I don't mind dying. Who do you love? That song's badass. Yeah, right. So the lyrics for anyone who might not have heard it, he's like, I got a brand new chimney made out of a human skull. <laughs> That's like a Linnell lyric. It's funny. You think this is a love song, but the lyrics are ex- extremely weird and dark. And then he goes, tombstone hand and a graveyard mind, just 22 and I don't mind dying. Wow. That's like a They Might Be Giants lyric to me. So I, I just thought that was an interesting connection between Bo Diddley and They Might Be Giants. And of course, the final connection is that Flansburg mentions him on the um, Tumblr where he talked about his guitar, his famous guitar that he has that has the funny square shape, yeah. as some fans will, will probably know. He calls it the chess master. <laughs> One thing he says is, the basic impulse was to fill out the negative space of a Fender guitar case, which is rectangular rather than form-fitting, making a kind of Bo Diddley goes to bedrock kind of vibe. Hmm. So, yeah, Bo Diddley had a guitar that looked similar to, to Flansburg's guitar. So 
I don't know if he's a huge influence, but it seems like a pretty big influence. Yeah. And it seems like it's all kind of in the hypnotist of ladies song. And I'd also say that the that rhythm and that cool, it's kind of a cool sexual vibe that I'm hearing. Whoa. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm hearing it. It fits the- You hear that in everything. It, yeah. <laughs> like the Smurfs theme song. And, <laughs> um, it sort of fits the hypnotist of ladies thing to, to me. Like, for example, let's say if hypnotist of ladies had your typical like kind of funny Linnell music or yeah. something, like it, would, it wouldn't really work, but it, there's a, I feel like there's a, a sexual charge. This one's a little more in the pelvis. That's right. You know, you summed it up. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a, a rump shaker, as they say. A little bit say. more of a thrust. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more of a penetrative kind of song. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, filthy, sticky stuff going on here. This is why I put explicit yeah. when I upload the podcast, everyone. We could talk about what makes that happen in the music. Um, it's it's a pretty sparse song. I think the shaker percussion that you hear, yeah. you hear like, chick, chick, chick. that's, again, that's kind it's of- a good impression kind of a shaker. It's kind of a booty shaking, you know? It's kind of sure. gives, a, even just like the fact, it's a shaker, it kind of it brings that to mind, right? In my notes, I say it has a seductive quality, right? I know what happens to me when I listen <laughs> to the song. I just start, you know- Getting seduced. Uh, yeah, I get seduced. But uh, Dave- uh, I, you, I don't share those uh, <laughs> qualities with you, but- but I like it. I'm just always looking for an excuse to be seduced. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we, there's very few lyrics, but we can yeah, talk about them. Yeah, super sparse. He's a hypnotist, hypnotist of ladies. You're getting sleepy, very sleepy. I wanted to say one thing about that part of the song is that you've got this bass drone. Maybe you should say this, Dave, because you're the bass guy. I, I was noticing like there's just one note. It's just going like doo, doo, right. doo, doo. And I'm like, that's perfect for you're getting sleepy because it's droning. Sure. It kind of makes you, it kind of numbs you a little to hear. It. It's like if it was you're getting sleepy and the bass is going do, 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 do. Like, sure, you don't you want would, a big fill there. Yeah, you'd like wake up, right? You're getting sleepy. Very Did I read this correctly that Flansburg did the bass for this one? So, Is that you confirmed? Know, our, yeah, our what buddy did Ed, Ed say? he seems to say for most of these songs that the bass was part of the MIDI sequence already mm -hmm. and that like it came in with everything else. Yeah. Cuz it is somewhat similar to the bass yeah. line in the guitar in terms of like tone mm -hmm. and technique. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and the, I I think it, we've said before but like the bass in general on this album except for all we'll point out on fingertips. <laughs> the bass sounds very real. For most of this album, it has like a warm. I think I know the one you're talking. So a lot of them actually has like a warm, subtle tone. We're once again joined by Edward Douglas. He was the second engineer on Apollo 18, and that means he was there the whole time. Yeah. He was in the studio. He he saw it all. He 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 touched greatness. Yes, <laughs> as I do every day. And uh, let's see what he has to let's say. Let's see what Ed has to say about hypnotist of ladies. <laughs> The tremolo guitars. I think we did the uh, the gated thing again. Mm -hmm. So that way, that way, it, 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 by triggering the gate in time with the sequence, the the the, the, the fading in and out could be in time. One question I have, like, what does does Linnell do anything on this song? Because I was listening and I, I couldn't hear what he would even do. It, like, do you remember him on this song at all? No. I mean, there were definitely times when 
we're in Flansburg, we'll just go in and do all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the songs are pretty well split between the two of them. There was a few things where obviously working together and doing things versus, but this song could have been just been something Flans wanted to do. I think this was probably one of the last group of sessions. I say that because I think the drums sound better on this one. Yeah. So I think, again, I think the drums got better sounding, uh, both, both programmed better and recorded better and mixed mm-hmm. better in these later sessions. Okay. When there's a song like this where uh, Linnell really doesn't do anything, is he in the room present? Is he, you know, giving a thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, I, th- I, feel, like, I feel like he was there. Yeah. Like, but I think there, there were definitely times when, when they knew when they knew where Flans was doing something with a lot, with a lot of guitars, where he wasn't there. But I think he was there. He was there right. for most of the vocals stuff to to mm. to you know to bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. I think in general, and in general, they were always bo- there the whole time. But like right. there, there, this this was definitely like a Flans type thing, and he knew what he wanted to do, and he knew what he was going for. And uh, you know, I mean, if if, if Linnell was there, he he probably did not have you know much to add to it. But I mean, he probably was a sounding board more mm-hmm. than anything yeah. else. So a few things here. I thought it was really interesting about how good the drums sound. He's right. They, it, the song has it, it has a real full band sound to it in a way. It's not as MIDI. Yeah. Something else I noticed about with, I, it's like, so you've got, so let's say comparing to like the first They Might Be Giants album where you've got these, as I call them, weird little flansies that pop mm-hmm. up, especially as the album's ending. You've got these weird flansies that are like a minute, a minute, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. chess piece face and you know, and Lincoln has some of this stuff too. And now we're, we've got these little flansies on Apollo 18 that are, they're not weird, actually. They're actually mm. fairly relatable in their sentiments and they're, they're not freakish. They're, they're kind of, like if I wasn't shy, I'm sure tons of They Might Be Giants fans just right. connect to that song on a very direct level. And I think this one too, uh, at least if they're kind of like the frustrated losers <laughs> that we were when we were Ouch. teenagers... Uh, I could speak just for myself too. Please do. You know, I, I so it's it's interesting to me that already I do feel like we're bridging to John Henry here, where the band yeah. is is kind of they're not trying so hard to be freakish and and weird, and I don't think that's a, a bad thing. I think there's a natural maturity. That's yeah, it, it's interesting because I th- I was thinking about it's very organic. I went through like a big Pixies re-listening through the past few weeks. Weird. So did I. That's funny. Well, so I bought their playing in I September. I think that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like, ah, I, should I see them? But anyway, so I was like listening and I'm like, Pixies also kind of lost the what the fuck is this the weirdness. quality. And I was like looking up these interviews with Charles Thompson, Frank Black, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, he just sort of said like, yeah, you know, I gr- kind of stopped wanting like it just was natural. He's like, I, I didn't want to force it, and I just wanted right. to be more like, what would it be like if I just wrote some good songs? And I also think you just get more used to the recording process, the writing process. Yeah, it's not so much a, a shot in the dark, yeah, which is a lot of where the weirdness comes from. Yeah, it's just taking those chances. I agree, and it's like, it's weird because I could I see both sides of it. It's like you, like for example, the Pixies album. We are getting a little off topic, but the Pixies album, <laughs> Head Carrier, I like it, but it's like there are times where I'm like, give me a weird timing or yeah. something. You know, like give me too smooth. Give me like a weird intro. Too polished. Whereas like their first uh, comeback album, Indie Cindy, which a lot of people don't like, I actually thought that album was packed with weird, strange outros and intros and bridges and, you know, things where I consider Pixies ish. So 
I don't know. I I do miss it a little. You know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. I did a tweet, a very popular tweet. Yeah. I think three people liked it. I mean, if you're a band with an established sound, do you dare stray from that and alienate people? Do you alienate people the other way who get bored of a similar sound all the time? Yeah. Um, Though luckily we've got fingertips coming up, (laughs) which kind of demolishes my point about the weirdness kind of going. I'm more speaking of a Flansburg Flansburg songwriting thing where it's like, oh, it's interesting that the little Flansburg songs on this album are fairly relatable and understandable. But then again, as we've mentioned many times on the podcast, he's sort of returning to the weird one-offs yeah, in recent years. Super weird. Super yeah. and I I, I love great. that. I love yeah, that. Maybe he goes through phases too, like, oh, I tried the more sincere thing. Let me get back to the yeah. more random topics. Yeah, I think people sometimes think that things are more calculated than they are. Right. So they're like, why isn't uh Pixies or They Might Be Giants writing like that? And it's just like you just go with your unless you want to be like a sellout and really write against your instincts. Sure. You just kind of go I with do. how you're <laughs> feeling though in that time of your life, you know. Uh, yeah, Dave. Dave does that all the time. Yeah, I um, need that money. Not one sincere nope. moment on a Dave album. Never. What do you think of that weird sort of? I called it a, uh, in my notes a submarine solo, where there is sort of this uh, these weird feedback sound effects for the solo that kind of sound like underwater. Yeah, you know what? That just reminds me of like monopuff, like doesn't yes, it? It's like yeah. the, I don't know what that is, and I've never Sounds noticed like, like it sonar. in the song. I wonder <laughs> if that was just from a guitar amp. Thing uh, yeah, or, it is. Or I'm a, pretty sure. Yeah, it's to me that just sounds like like the first monopuff album yeah. or something. Um, yeah, that's a cool. It all fits the the themes of yeah. of, of the song to me, in, in ways that are hard to explain. It's a very intentional choice, and it's really cool to have that segue into the solo, which is also very, I think, like kind of underwater. Yeah. Sounding. I, I love, I, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. I love that solo. Flansburg's tone, the guitar tone is very Flansburg to me, which is like, there's, it's very, very dry, but very distorted, which is weird because mm-hmm. often when you hear like a big distorted guitar solo, there's a lot of reverb and delay to make it epic sounding. But here we've got this like, it just stops very quickly. Like this, there's no reverb at all or tail. It's just like right. dun, 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 and super silence. I love the tone of that. And I don't know how he gets that tone. The song itself kind of does that too. It yeah. just kind of peters out just and sort of like, all right, we're done. Yeah, it just sort of stops. It's a very simple sentiment in the song, but there, I mean, I feel like I could talk about the sentiment for an hour because I'm, I really love the, uh, being jealous of other guys, right. girl thing, like, believe me, I can go on, but I feel like we should just spare the listeners. I agree. Spoil the, <laughs> spare the listeners, spoil the... Rod. Dave, are you ready to embark I guess on not a, based on what you said when I came in. So What did I say when you came you're in? You're just like, this is going to be uh <laughs> we're going to dive in with both feet and Yeah. You said make a seat. Make one make <laughs> from a seat. scratch. Yeah. Um Get comfortable cuz I'm going to be here a while. So Yeah, fingertips everyone. All right. Fingertips. Here let's, we go. Let's do it. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, okay, so um, 
Wow, Dave. I have so much prepared for fingertips, and this, this might be a news flash to some, but that's one of the reasons this episode took so long to put together because it's like, you know, not that I did a, a obscene amount of research for all 21 songs, but some of them I did do quite a lot and we prepared quite a lot of stuff. But I, I want to throw that all in the garbage for yeah. now and just ask you, Dave, fingertips, what, what do you make of it? What do you like it? What was your first impressions hearing it would just I, tell me the dave let's go to dave's corner I, I mean as far as i can remember the first impression of it was i didn't know what to make of it mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i just thought okay this is another example of they might be giants really going for something that hasn't been done before yeah and i respected it yes um, but not anymore <laughs> not anymore yeah uh i mean it's very disorienting to listen to for the first time I don't think that's unfair to say. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a memory of hearing it. You know, I I don't. Re- I don't Do you like re- it. I'm so used to it now. Oh, so fingertips. I think is fantastic. Um, it's it's strange to. I think that you need to take a long time away from it and then listen sure. to it again because I'm so used to it that it doesn't. I can tell a little anecdote, which is that in 2002, I I dated this girl briefly. You met her, Dave. It was a, that no, was a fun day. It was a bagel place. You remember? Oh, bagel place? I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that didn't go well. Uh, her, her meeting me? She wasn't a very friendly person. Oh, I assumed it was my fault. It was a girl I dated for like two months. But anyway, in, in these two months, They Might Be Giants played a show. Yeah. And she she went with me to it, even though she had never heard of the band before. Um, I didn't want her to go because I was about to break up with her. But anyway, long story short... At the show, they do fingertips. Yeah. And she was just not... <laughs> I mean, look, I don't blame her. She was just like, what's happening? <laughs> Where am I? And then I didn't talk to her much during the show because, like I said, we were about to break up and it was mm-hmm. awkward. But I remember we were leaving the show and I was like, oh, remember that thing with all the little songs? And, yeah. and she's like, yeah. And I am I explained that to her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she was like, oh, it would have been nice if you told me about that before you jerk so that i knew what was happening i always think about that and i always feel bad about it but i'm like what how much could i have said this is a song I, on their album and yeah i don't you don't need context i mean well just look we get hit by it wasn't a good relationship <laughs> i have a lot more stories about that whole relationship but that's that's the they might be giants angle is it a highlight for you of, of the entire the album or the whole band's career or, or is it something you don't listen to much or what, what's i wouldn't say it's a highlight I think some of the songs, and I'll, we'll get into this, I wish were full songs. I was going to ask that at the end of yeah. our whole journey yeah. here. Yeah, okay. And I, I actually kind of made like a list of things. Oh, good. Of, of songs I think would do really well being expanded on. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot as an exploration of what a song is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, I kind of need a, a complete, you know, two-minute thing that I can grab onto, and that's a song. Yes. Um, these are like little, like, appetizers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not even. It's like uh, a... Pre-dinner mint. Yeah, they're almost, yeah. There, so, there is no such thing as a pre-dinner mint. Never mind. <laughs> An after-dinner mint. Yeah, that's true. It is the end of the album. Right. I mean, the thing is this... It, I'm brilliant. We can talk... I can talk jet, basically. I, it, you know, it's not super unprecedented. Like, you've got things like Bohemian Rhapsody and you've got Abbey Road, right? Like, the suite that ends Abbey Road where you've got... Yeah, but not, they're not that short. No, yeah. They're they're more like... For the Beatles, it was short, like yeah. f- a minute-long songs or, or, you know, something like that. Yeah, but I'm coming out of the background of listening to punk music where a song yeah. usually is a minute. 
Yeah, sure, exactly. So this and was short even to me. <laughs> one thing I, I thought I'd mention is the the residents have an album called the Commercial Album, where every song is one minute and three seconds, <laughs> and one of the songs is called Fingertips. And they might be giants or huge fans of the residents, but when asked about this on the Tumblr. It, was that an inspiration for fingertips? Flansburg said, no, not at all. So hmm. I, I'm not going to go into that because it's clearly, I, I guess that's just not the case. But um, I thought it was interesting myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, no, not at all means no, not at all, as they say. Let's talk about what the actual inspiration for fingertips was. And I have to say, this makes fingertips way more funny to me. Mm. And it really, it doesn't make it make sense, sense but it, it really puts a context to it that that I feel like it never gets old now when I listen to fingertips and I imagine the the reasons for it. It's kind of modeled after one of those ads that you see on TV where they're selling a compilation of, you know, hits from some particular period. And they in the ad generally they just cut up all the choruses and splice them together. So what you you know, you see the title scrolling up the screen, you hear these little uh, bits of songs and there's a you know a Yule log. You can also get the hit Mysterious Whisper. <laughs> and of course, who could forget Connie Francis singing? <laughs> that, that was, that was yeah. us talking over it. Okay, so so we've got a, uh, this is like a big scoop here, you know, it's like. Yeah, that I didn't know. Oh, really? Okay, so I've got them discussing this a few times. No. Yeah. And I've also got it, there's a quote from Linnell, a written quote where he says, Fingertips was one of those really worked out things in some ways like a logical extension of what we've been doing all along. It's hyper arranged. Practically, that's what it is, an arrangement. Then he says the launch pad was compilations for easy listening songs that played on TV in the 70s. Hmm. They were jarring juxtapositions of tracks from kind of unknown songs from the 40s and 50s. And then he also specifically calls out uh, KTEL TV ads. So... So Dave, let's. I, I watched a bunch of these KTEL TV ads, and again, there, I found a few quotes from Linnell specifically calling out KTEL. And it's funny when you watch these ads or or listen, right. as you will, with fingertips in mind, and suddenly they're hilarious to me. So I'll let's bet. let's listen to this one. This one I thought was funny. KTEL Records presents Goofy Greats. <laughs> I thought Dave. I picked this one out for Dave because oh Dave is a Goofy Great. I am. It's my wife's pet name for me. KTEL presents Goofy Great. 24 funky hits by the original stars, Ohio Express. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy. Brian Holland. And it's teeny weeny yellow polka dot the key. Hollywood Argyle. Look at that cake man go. Ray Stevens. <laughs> So I thought that one's funny. Um, the tough sell. <laughs> it's also funny hearing it with more serious songs. So let's just listen to this one more KTEL ad because, again, listening to it in the context of fingertips, the, the way that Linnell processed these ads in his brain right. as like, what if there was a song that was just like <laughs> yeah. all these things put together? Is Pretty brilliant. Very, yeah, it's very funny to me. A great new LP, 20 original hits, original stars, KC and the Sunshine Band. Silver Convention. War. (laughs) 
So yeah, yeah. So this is my point. Like, can't you imagine one of the fingertips yeah. being like, "Why can't we be friends?" And then yeah. it like ends, right? So th- this is, like I said, revelatory to me as, as what he's going for with fingertips. Now the question is, is is that just the inspiration? But it's not really trying to do that or about that, and th- that's a whole other. Uh, it was the catalyst. Yeah, the catalyst. Um, so then, combined with the technology of the early '90s, yeah, we're off to the races. Something that I find interesting about the the K-Tel thing also is it's not you know, fingertips is a good example of that, but there you see, um, you've seen them kind of reference it in other ways. All right, hey. The best of the '80s, the '90s, and today. The idea that these are like, what if, what if songs, what if this wasn't just a preview of songs, but what, what if songs were like this? It's almost like imagining like a parallel reality. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you're listening to the radio, and they stripped everything away from a song? Well, it sound like madness. <laughs> exactly. I think in general, we've seen with Spider and other things on their albums, like they draw from pop culture, and mm-hmm. I think they draw a lot from like being like awake at night watching TV and or being a kid watching right, TV. Right. Um, so let's listen to this where they talk Same. about that because it's it's very interesting to me, uh, them directly admitting A graveyard this. shift. Yeah. Weird shit happens. I, I mean, part of it is just like, you know, it's, it's a balancing act. You know, we, we, have, we have unusual words. We sort of draw on, on like the entire, you know, kind of 20th century of popular music. It's like we enjoy... I mean, one thing that's strange about what we do that I think John and I completely understand about one another's work and our and our collaboration is that, um, uh, it, we're, you know, as pastiche as it might seem, it's the the actual subject is never really the pastiche. You know, it's actually I, I think there's a more um, direct kind of uh, personal expression that is about the way we grew up, which is very different than. Um, even the way you know people grew up like ten years before us, and and probably ten years after. I think you know we we had a strange relationship to the television, but we had a very real relationship to the television. You know, so I think a lot of a lot of the critical uh, sort of understanding of us always kind of casts us as reacting against stuff. You know, it's kind of like us against them, and I think it's like we're much more kind of on our own wavelength. That's, that's the stuff we react against. Yeah. That <laughs> right. That's, criticism. that's a really interesting clip. Yeah, I, I know. I, I was proud of that because it's like, it's, they're not talking about fingertips, but they might as well be, right? I think they just like boiled down their entire yeah, essence right there. Podcast over. We don't even need yeah, to go that's further. that's really amazing. And you know what's crazy is I mm. really related to what they were saying, yes. even though I was a kid in the 80s. So much of that stuff is just trapped in my brain and expressed my creativity. Yes, and there's a generation gap informed my between creativity. us and people who are like five years younger or older than us. Like, yeah, that's like, really interesting. Like Kristen, my girlfriend's five years younger than me, and she doesn't get half the... Simpsons, yeah. uh, Seinfeld yeah. references that we'll say all the time. You know, I mean, she does because I show her that stuff. But um, whereas she's yeah. she's five years younger, so she's like got Pokemon and on the brain and you know stuff that was on like all that stupid kids shit. <laughs> kids cartoon TV yeah. and like a couple years later than me. I mean, I guess it does happen for every uh, generation. So. Yeah, but theirs is a particularly vibrant and and yeah. fruitful thing to grow up around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing we we should discuss is 
the fact that they indexed fingertips separately because this could yeah. have been one track and i think some yes. sometimes uh some it is now i think yeah some places did it as one track as it says on the apollo 18 liner notes the indexing of this disc is designed to complement the shuffle mode of modern cd players but let's talk let's find out why they did it that way and let's listen let's to talk the, turkey the clips it seemed like it was just sort of a good opportunity to do something different with CDs. Um, essentially, what shuffle mode is, um, you, you know, it's just a button on on fancier or current CD players now, and uh, it just randomly selects different songs. So it, it kind of makes it makes an instant collage of whatever record you're listening to. And uh, there's a song called Fingertips on the record that's actually composed of uh, ten second refrains, and we index them all separately. So between you know, full-length songs, you can hear just a single selection of, you know, of kind of a blast from fingertips. So, and yeah. What's crazy is everything is shuffle mode now. Now, like, every, and, yeah, everything is and shuffle And the mode. album, you know, the sequencing an album has gone away. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder, you know, viewed f- through that lens, would new listeners, you know, think about fingertips in that yeah. context? That's a good point. Did it encourage you to listen to Apollo 18 on shuffle mode? Oh, probably. The, the I day? mean, I yeah. think I had the, uh, the Iowa... Was that the, the the brand name three disc changer that like everybody had, uh-huh. um, like all my friends, and it uh-huh. broke like at the same time three months later, <laughs> like on the nose. Yeah, because you'd listen to a CD a million times, and then you're like, well, how can yeah, I it's... how can I listen to it a different way? Exactly. Oh, look at this button, put on shuffle mode. It's fun because it's, it's like a new it's album. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. It does in a weird way make you think about the sequencing in a different mm-hmm. uh, light because. You know, if you hear two songs that aren't usually juxtaposed next to each other, yeah. they may sometimes even work better. Sometimes. Sometimes it's Jarring bad. and awful. I mean, honestly, have you shuffle ever Shuffle mode's had, stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had weird moments because I'll put my whole iPod on shuffle and right. just listen to that for weeks in the while I do dishes or whatever, yeah. right? Walk around. And sometimes bizarre coincidences happen. Yeah, and that's I'm like, fun. How, like a, two songs that are about the same thing or, yeah. or whatever. How does that happen? Or like a call it's and response. So, yeah, it's really <laughs> crazy. It's really weird. That's because there are no coincidences, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I love that they did that. And I definitely listen to Apollo 18 on shuffle mode a lot. Yeah. But I also, it also begs the question. Begs it. <laughs> are the, okay. Are we not men? <laughs> <laughs> you can put it in shuffle mode and that's fine because they're all a bunch of weird little, uh, little things. But I do think they have said that they're in an order and that they were, yeah. that Linnell demoed or wrote it in yeah. an order. And I think he even said, I don't know if I have this clip, I, I do remember him saying, oh, a few might have gotten mixed, moved around, mm-hmm. but that it's generally the right order. And then let, let's listen to this clip because there's a <laughs> there's a few words in this clip that I really latch on to where they're, the. they're, yeah, <laughs> they're talking about fingertips. All right, we've got this song called Fingertips that is indexed, uh, it's, it's a series of different um, uh, choruses or refrains right. that are, are kind of unrelated well they're related but they're very short they're like s- very short songs so Flansburg's about to say they're unrelated and then he corrects himself and he goes well they're related whoa so is detective this, jordan is this like the yeah the the zapruder film moment uh <laughs> this is yes. like yeah the answer is yes um are they related is there a story? Is there a narrative? Jordan, what's crazy is as I was listening to it today under a really critical... Stop, unclench your fists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> under a really uh, critical mm-hmm. ear. Sure. 
I was starting, I mean, maybe this is me just doing this podcast too long, but I was starting <laughs> to get a, a narrative, get a story from yeah. it. Yeah. And it did seem very intentional <sighs> right. what the sequencing was. And it made me just love it that much more. Yeah. So here, here's the thing about this. And I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't know how much I want to uh, fall back on this as we discuss uh, fingertips. But um, there, there was a fan theory online oh my God. on the mailing list that was fairly persuasive about, oh, fingertips is like somebody's life from beginning to oh end, my right? God. And it's like, it, and and I hope people know when I'm explaining this, I'm not, I'm not um, approving or denying it because I totally, <laughs> I actually- We can either condone I remember nor- at, yeah, I remember at the time being pretty blown over by this interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's, here's the question. Do we want fingertips to be total surreal nonsense, right? And in the best way, or do we want it to have this brilliant conceptual thing? I mean, this is the first time in 20 years that I even saw a connection in between tracks. And I really kind of like, I blew myself away, Jordan, by how smart I was. And it's hard to blow yourself. It's... All right. Well, that was my own fault. <laughs> um, no. So it's like, I remember someone and I'm sorry, I can't credit them or whatever, but I think a lot of people had this kind of inkling. Joey Jojo Shabadoo. J- yeah. Uh, Joey TMBG. You know, he's just like, it begins with fingertips. The doctor is, you're being born. And the first thing that happens Whoa. is the doctor pulling the you out of the out womb. First. <laughs> no, like the doctor's fingertips. Oh. And the last thing that happens fingertips reprised, which is the doctor, you're in the hospital dying and the doctor pushes are, you back in, <laughs> you know, like it's like the last things you, you feel or see, right. As, and, well, maybe, <laughs> and well, there's plenty of, that's um, how you go. <laughs> there's plenty of very, um, I mean, you could even call it blatant ways that this life cycle yeah. is put into the song, but part of me rebels against this idea. Cause I'm like, no, I want it to be right. surrealism. And surrealism is best when you don't know what the hell it means. I and think either way you look at it, it's nice. <laughs> For me, it, it's hard to not think of it that way yeah. because I, I very, with not a lot of effort, see the sequence in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I also like, part of me is like, I don't know if Linnell would, would do that. Like, I don't know if that's, maybe it was in the back of his head and, yeah. you know, like I really, I genuinely don't know, but it seems to have the feeling of birth Hmm. childhood, teenage years, marriage, death, you know, yeah. and afterlife as the, the we'll, we can think about in the last sure. one. And it's, it's doesn't even seem to be super hidden, but again, I just don't, I don't know what I want. I don't well, even know what I want it to be. Right. I think even in the feel of it, there is for sure yeah. a cohesiveness. Some yeah. of these songs I would actually argue that maybe not all of them go together. Mm-hmm. There's a couple oddballs, one-offs, <laughs> but there's like a big section of six or seven of these where I'm like, are these all about the same thing? Yes. And I even wrote in my notes, yeah. everything's catching on fire, sets the tone. I wrote, yeah. uh, it's an ominous start for little stories of disaster. I mean, one of the things about fingertips that is, is kind of satisfying, um, you know, I, I, I hope it's satisfying for other people, is it, it does have this mysterious element of being incomplete. You know, I mean, most... Most rock songs are sort of way too complete, so it's it's nice to have something that just kind of... Um, yeah, in a way, it's kind of the logical extension of what we've been doing all along, because we've always had really short pop songs that don't contain, you know, extra sections. We always trim off all the fat in our songs, and so this is kind of like, you know, just taking it a step further. We've cut off the, the body, <laughs> and just right. left the brain in a jar. That's a very punk attitude. 
Yes. Which is why it's funny when we get to stuff like Factory Showroom and the songs get longer and you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little shocking for some fans uh, because it's the polar opposite of what Fingertips is doing. But in my opinion, I think Fingertips is kind of their last hurrah. Mm. I mean, in a way to me, Fingertips is kind of like saying, and this might not have been a, a foresight on their part, but it's kind of saying goodbye to like this era of They Might Be Giants. Like, hey, mm-hmm. before we stop being two guys with a drum machine, let's blast out like 21... 21- Right. Like, here's this last thing we're going to do. I sort of see Fingertips as like going out with a bang with this era of the band. You know right. what I mean? And then Spacesuit is kind of like the tearful farewell, I think. But we'll get to Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, let's let's go into, I, I think we'll, let's get out of the overview of Fingertips. Yeah. I can't. I can't believe we did that. I'd mean, <laughs> Did we? Okay, let's, let's be specific now. Let's talk about every single... <laughs> Goddamn fingertip on this sure. multi-fingered beast. Everything is catching on fire. Dave. I mean, that sets a precedent, right? Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I was like, it's it's like an explosion, right? It's like a birth. It's a perfect intro. But that, I was also thinking, as with most of these fingertips, like it's so ambiguous that it's like, in some ways you could see it as this like 2001 Space Odyssey uh-huh. cosmic explosion yeah. of starting things but it could also just be about like somebody's house is on fire <laughs> i know assumed I mean? it was just a bus of nuns a bus of yeah that's right so it's like a lot of the fingertips work this way where you could have this super deep thing or it could just be this very human simple thing yeah uh and i thought this was a good example i do think uh one of the main things i want to talk about with the music with the thematically is like so if you hear you've got all these like tremolo synths going in your left and right ears back and forth like and i was like that does thematically set up fingertips it's like these little spikes that are assaulting your your ears and it it travels around left and right which is kind of like what fingertips kind of do it's kind of like they're all over the place i thought it's like a perfect perfect opening you know because it's sets the stage yeah it's like we were saying like as much as it seems you know lol random arbitrary it's like that's a that's an opening, right? Yeah. That's an in, it, I mean, the fire, everything being on fire is also an ending, though, in a way, right? Like, it depends Whoa. on the context. <laughs> no, I mean, really, like, that's also the, how things end is in flames. <laughs> in your life. <laughs> or begin. It's, I mean, that's what I'm used to. Well, fire, she brings life and she brings death. Any? Did you have any thoughts on... I just said that. <laughs> it's funny because before this podcast, I never, like, obsessed over the arrangements of all the little fingertips the way I, I am... I, yeah, this week are uh, pretty uh, complicated. Yeah, this one has a crazy like yeah. saxophone yeah. horn arrangement that I never really noticed, that I never thought about, and it's got a great. I thought you'd like the. It's got a great bass melody. Yes, the bass melody is almost stronger than the vocal melody, right? Don't you kind of hear it in your head when you think of the song? I do, and I think that goes for a lot of the songs on Fingertips are very bass driven. Yeah, I, I noticed <laughs> and that. Danny Weinkoff is like really holding it together. Live. Live. Yeah. I was like, what? I know he's not on the album. Yeah, yeah. Um so Or is he? <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's everything is catching on fire. I mean, you know, this might shock the listener, but I don't have mountains of <laughs> research and clips for every little fingertip. We're just gonna mm-hmm. kinda talk about them. Next up, track eighteen, the title track. Yeah. Fingertips. 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 Track 18, Fingertips, this this is a, a big one. You are listening to Peter Stamfell on 
vocals and banjo. So this is kind of his solo appearance. Right. Uh, meaning it's like there's nothing else going on except except Peter. He's the star of the show. He's the star of the show. And in a way, he's also it's another it's kind of an introduction to fingertips yeah. in a way. You had the you had like the scene before the credits. Right. The preamble. <laughs> the, yeah. And now you've got the opening credits song, which is fingertips. There's a lot to talk about with Peter Stamfel. He's kind of a legendary uh, folk, you know, songwriter, Icon. singer. He really is um, for decades, right. you know. First, I just wanted to simply point out how similar his fingertip is to his general style of music. Mm -hmm. And we could listen to a few clips, which is, here's here's one of them. This is him covering Goldfinger from James Bond. And to me, this just sounded like his fingertips. Stuff is Peter Stanfield stuff Fun. is really interesting because there's a, a, a great sense of humor to it, but right. but sometimes his songs get pretty dark and serious too. <laughs> Peter Stanfield also did a Hello CD of the Month uh, EP, which was Flansburg's CD club that he had. This is a song to me that's also kind of reminded me of Fingertips on it, and it's called Our Lady of Oklahoma. Our Lady of Oklahoma, Our Lady of Nameless Dread, Our Lady of Carcinoma, Our Lady of the Live and Dead, Our Lady of Crack Babies, Our Lady of Bad Vibes, Our Lady of Rats and Rabies, Our Lady of the Lost Tribes, Pray for us, pray for us, You know what to say for us, Grab God's here and tell him hard, Ain't no fun in our backyard. Well, first of all, his Hello disc is great. I listened to it a lot and I got really into it, actually. Really burying the lead here. So we've got something very exciting here. Dave, it's a special treat. Yes, I'm we here. We talked. You were there, Dave. You might remember this. I do. We talked to Peter Samfell. Yes. All about meeting They Might Be Giants and, and fingertips and stuff. And we're going to play some of that conversation for you. Yes. Obviously, fingertips was recorded <laughs> decades ago, and it's yeah. like two seconds long. So he didn't have like, <laughs> a, you know, crazy, uh, you know, surprises about it. But it was wonderful to hear his perspective on it. Um, I do yeah. want to warn about, first of all, this was over Zoom. Uh, usually we like to do interviews in person and stuff. So the audio quality isn't fantastic. I did what I could. And another uh, point about that is that Peter Stamfell, as as unusual and and interesting as his voice has always been, it's it's now uh, affected by muscle tension dysphonia, I believe is the term. And he's pretty yes. he's talked about this in a few interviews and articles, and sort of it's actually kind of a more extreme version of what I kind of have, which is like my throat kind of closes up the more I talk. So he he's got that in in his voice. So that com combined yeah. with the Zoom. Um, hope, hopefully you're, you're all cool with it, but, uh, the audio is not usually what we, we have here on our show. And if you're not cool with it, how dare you? Yeah. Come how on. How dare so you? So the Peter was awesome. He, he told us the amazing stories about, yes. we actually did a really long interview with him about his, like a bunch of his songs and the hello disc, especially. Yeah. It's really great stories about the songs. Yeah. I, it was fantastic, but we're going to, we're going to listen to him talk about fingertips and we'll see you later. Bye. I do think it's kind of funny that 
we've got um you've got this like decades and decades like legendary career and we're talking about like a five second uh song <laughs> that you that you did on on an album for you know from 1992 so we can start with the they might be giants connection how did you first meet them or get to know them in the 90s in the 80s in the 80s they were one of these you know hey, these guys are doing this telephone song thing <laughs> right yeah. and they sounded interesting so i got some um some cds and listened and they do interesting and varied stuff so i became a fan and then uh like a lot of people from back then i was driving to work and listening to WNEW, and they played um birdhouse in my yeah soul. <laughs> <laughs> and i was to ask about the the first one it, it sort of sounds like one of your songs already right like it, it like it's it's it was written uh, by john linnell but um especially after hearing all of your music in the past week not all of your music a lot of your music in the past week and then listening again to that fingertip it was like hearing it for the first time because now i suddenly had context because before that you know as like a they might be giants fan like i became a fan of theirs when i was like 13 you know uh -huh. and i'd listen to the, these albums and listen to that that song all the time and like i didn't <laughs> it was just like an unfamiliar voice you know and i didn't i didn't you know what i mean like i didn't have any yeah. um and then I was just like, oh, now that I, I, I know your material, it's like this sort of just sounds like one of your songs in a lot of ways. Do you remember how much direction you got with the, with the first fingertips you're doing? Because you're playing banjo also. So you're kind of really, yeah. you're, you're sort of surprisingly more in control of the track than usually They Might Be Giants kind of let people, I, I think <laughs> that they let, because usually they do everything, right? Well, I mean, the one thing I was by myself, Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't have to like um, play along with anybody, and I mean, I mean, I just had to sing fingertips twice. Yeah. <laughs> There's not really much, um, you know, wiggle room or room for in which for to be directed. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did they give you the chords to play, or did you just kind of uh -uh. jam? Really? Wow. They just said sing fingertips over uh, some bluegrass yeah, banjo. Sing fingertips. Right. So that was that was Peter Sample. Uh, we have a little more from him coming up because he does another fingertip, of course. One exciting thing, though, that I discovered is um, so Peter Sample put out this this album uh, very recently called "20th Century in a Hundred Songs," where he does a hundred cover songs from the past hundred years. 
And it's an amazing album. I mean, it's mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and he's been working on this for like years and years and years of his life. It's like yeah. one of those ambitious projects. And can you believe it, Dave? One of the songs is this. What? Whoa. <laughs> when the ship and the ocean and the vessel runs aground, lands where we know the boat is found. Now there's nothing unexpected but the water giving out. Lands not a worry at the shop, but there's some on the shoreline. Along the beach, coming up from the shipwreck, making it up to say, Women and men, women and men, women and men. How about that? Isn't that that's, <laughs> about a, them apples? that's a crazy version of that song, and I love right. it. And there's yeah. You know, Peter, his his voice is so interesting. It's it's like a lot of the we'll talk a lot about the guest stars on fingertips have yes. like really unique qualities weird voice. voices yeah. but and in another way I, chosen. I find them kind of addictive like i find them like i just want to keep hearing them because they're so different you know yeah. so thanks to peter for Thank you, peter. popping in there let's go to track 19 holy shit it's called <laughs> i hear the wind blow i hear the wind blow i hear the wind blow it seems to say hello hello i'm the one who loves you so this is one of the songs I didn't think fit the uh, storyline as much. If there, if you oh. were to say that there was a storyline, but also like musically, thematically, this is before I knew you were going to say it's about, you know, yeah. the entirety of someone's life. So maybe this is when they're a kid, because well, I was going to say this sounds like kids music. Yes. So the common, first of all, I didn't even think of that. So that's fantastic. The common, the, the interpretation that I saw among the fans, among this mega theory yeah. is that it's when it's a baby and you don't know, you hear your mother's voice for the first time. Yeah. You hear the wind blow, you hear the, you feel the breath in your ear and it's, I, I'm the one who loves you so, but you know, you don't process what it is. This is my mom. This is right. my dad. You, you don't know. Right. And so it, it totally fits that. And again, I don't know how much I want to yeah. push I don't this think theory because it's not my theory and I don't, I don't know. I don't think we're ascribing to this theory. No, but it, officially. I, it does super fit some of it. It I, does fit. Yeah. Whatever you believe, this does sound very childlike. Childlike, yeah, it really does. And it does. It even sets up some of the kids' album stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree you know, with years that. Years later. Um, one thing that's not childlike about it is the vocal, which no. is very, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, let's talk about that. That's Nick Hill. Um, Nick Hill uh, comes up a lot in They Might Be Giants' career. Um, he sings the Edison Museum, sure. and and I might say he has a chilling voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might save more Nick Hill stuff for when we talk about the Edison Museum and other cool, stuff. But let let's just listen. This is Nick Hill in his in his kind of uh, his own world here. He he hosts uh, different shows on WFMU. He's a radio DJ in New Jersey. Him yeah. and Laura Cantrell had a show. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll play a clip. We talked to her about him. That's a right. Bit. Yeah. And I'll, I'll play a clip from that. They're from all that. blending together, though. Gentlemen, I'm here with Laura Cantrell. Hello, Laura. Hey there, Nick. And folks, you are listening to the live music faucet here on WFMU, Uppsala College, East Orange, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, a bit later in the program from Manhattan Island, a man who's performing his last public performance here tonight for us, Lawrence Fishberg. But first, without hesitation, actually with a slight amount of hesitation, <laughs> please excuse me, without hesitation or further ado, I give you the murmurs. Yeah, you, uh, his voice is, is not as deep. I mean, he's yeah. definitely 
pushing. I can tell that it's it's yeah. him though. He's interviewed They Might Be Giants a few times. Um, he's like a pretty big presence for for you know like college rock musicians in New York and New Jersey and stuff. And he does a great job on this song. <laughs> yeah, I mean voice. his voice goes really well with it. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, the the arrangement is in general is great. The bass clarinet, I believe it is. It's it's you know. It's it's a standout. I, th- I think they're all kind of standouts. That's kind of the idea, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's all these choruses. Now, let's go to track 20. Oh, boy. Hey, now, everybody, now. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now, everybody, now. Hey, now, everybody, hey, now, everybody, now. Hey, now, everybody, now. Another big surprise. Another big surprise. The vocalist on that song is Elma Meyer. And we spoke to Elma Meyer. She talks about her and her husband, Brian, who's a, also a songwriter, meeting and playing with They Might Be Giants and yep. being on fingertips and recording that song. And we did a big interview with her. Two interviews. So let's... Unmatched quality. Let's listen Let's listen to that. This Unflinching is, desire. <laughs> Elma Meyer on Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants exclusive. <laughs> Brian and I eventually moved to New York, and Brian's sister, Heather Woodbury, who's a, an amazing playwright, performance artist, performance novelist, um, knew they might be giants, and she kept telling us, you guys would love them, you sound just <laughs> like them. And um, Brian's cousin, Jenny Williams, was, uh, I think, roommates with Linnell, or both of them, I can't remember where or when, it's all yeah. very hazy. We understand it was a long time ago. We went to a dinner party at Jenny's house, and John and John were there. And, you know, they were like, I I thought you guys should meet for, for years. You you guys will love each other. And we, we hit it off and and hung out. And we all lived in Williamsburg for a while. That's how we met them and hung out in our in our wild youth before... Williamsburg was what it is now, <laughs> yeah. whatever that is. What are the steps from going from knowing them uh, casually to getting asked to be on an official album and being part of a song? I just remember them saying, hey, you want to sing a couple of these short little songs? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I can't even remember if they gave them to me in advance or if I just learned them in the studio. The main memory that I have is, um, let's see, I sang on two of them. Hey Now Everybody. Hey Now Everybody uh, is like, that's definitely one of the more uh, in your face. It's rocking. (laughs) Fingertips. And something, you know, regarding your vocals is it's like a lot of harmonies, right? I can't quite tell how many of you there are, but it just sounds like several of you. Do you remember, were you told what harmonies to do? Were you, do you remember like making it up or? I remember rocking out in the booth (laughs) and just wanting it to go on. And I Mm. now vaguely remember singing harmonies. Yeah. Which I think I learned right then and there. I may be wrong about that. 
So, well, so John Linnell wrote the song. He wrote all the, the little songs, yeah. or if you want to call it one song. So what, what I would suspect is that he, he had some sort of elaborate demo at first and that he maybe had planned out the harmonies or, what, or whatever. But I also, I did wonder if just because just of your vocal style and everything, if he just was like, oh, just do it a few times and see what happens kind of thing. No, but. it wasn't do it a few times and see what happens. He didn't ask me to make up the harmony. I was given the harmony because I would have freaked out if I had had to make up harmony on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something that is is interesting to me about this fingertip and the fingertips with Elma Meyer is like they actually really bring to mind her own music. And Mm -hmm. here's here's one song that I thought kind of reminded me of Hey Now Everybody Now called Jerks by Elma Meyer. It's about Dave. There's some jerks in the park playing jujitsu basketball, yelling all night. There's some guys in the high rises. Anyway, it's like the harmonies and the the tone of her voice there reminds me of "Hey now, everybody now." Wasn't it fantastic to hear from Elma? Um, we've got a yeah, whole we've got a whole big great. interview with her. We're gonna put out at some point. A lot of really interesting insight into the creative process. I thought so too. I loved talking to her about yeah. uh, songwriting. That was that was really. That's interesting. what I like to do too. I like to do that too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, track twenty one, fingertips. Who's that standing out my window? Is it redundant to say uh, the titles because yeah, they just say them? So let's let's just say track twenty one. So this is where it starts getting creepy, I think. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. That is a creepy phrase. <laughs> I never even thought of it as creepy because I'm so used to the fingertips as just like yeah. as natu- natural state of being. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Halloween, like John Carpenter-esque. Uh, yeah. Who's that standing out my window? Yeah, where would this put in the, the uh, life? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I yeah. mean, but this is what I mean when I think there's some kind of connection. There's a through line of you mm-hmm. know paranoia or discomfort, which may just be John Linnell's songwriting in general. Sure. <laughs> um, of course. But specifically, and you'll see a couple songs in a row where it starts to get really <laughs> intense. Yeah, there's a kind of a negativity that takes yeah. over fingertips uh, at some point, for sure. The music in this one is is, part, is pretty strange. It's yeah. it's very, uh, it's like quiet, loud, quiet, loud sort of thing. Like it's super, the synths are really, really quiet in the quiet parts. And then like really, really loud when they come in. Yeah. It's jarring. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I'd say this is one of the more comical ones too, though, where they're kind of I guess mess- that's how you look at they're it. They're kind of messing <laughs> with you. Yeah, who who is that standing out my window, Dave? I mean, if you were a homeowner, you'd never want to see someone standing outside your window that you didn't know. I guess there's no positive way to spin that. Yeah, yeah unless it's like my wife has returned from her <laughs> trip. <laughs> and Linnell has themes of windows, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe he wrote window shortly after thinking of this. Uh, I think so. Uh, That's my big theory. Yeah. Songs with similar titles. Yeah, also like the time signature for this is odd. Like I couldn't quite, I'm sure someone could place it, be someone who knows more about this stuff than me, but it's kind of like, like I don't know, is that triplets or something or it's in six? Because it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Like it's kind of strange. I don't know. I write everything in four, four. Yeah. Why it should be. Yeah, it's weird. And his voice is weird 
too. It's it's like definitely more of a character right. than in some of the other fingertips. Yes. Um, I mean, even in just in general, we could just say like this is really a showcase for Linnell's voices right, and, characters, and um, it's mostly Linnell. Like actually, Flansburg's on very few of these. I noticed for the first time. Well, what do you say? Yeah, um, <laughs> this is really. What like, do you know? This is really Linnell's. Uh, you know, but though Flansburg's guitar playing on this when he comes in there, you know, that's always. It's very Flansburgy. The big chords in your, you know, chords strummed in your face very yes. fast. All of a sudden, I think we're ready to move on to track twenty-two. And Crazy. I'm not going to say the name of it. <laughs> we're just going to play it. I found a new friend underneath my pillow. How do, how do you <laughs> feel about this one? Okay, well, there's a few things to talk about. It's obviously we've got a guest vocalist, and I can go into all that. But well, besides that. Um, well, this was always used in the interpretation as like the oh, it's childhood still. It's the tooth fairy, blah blah blah. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't buy that. Yeah, I, that one's a little flimsy to me. But it's not too. I mean, I remember as a kid there was a lot of like pillow stuff, like <laughs> pillow talk. You know, like you hide little toys under your pillow or stuff like that. Sure. Like I, I definitely did stuff like that. Or when you're a teenager, you hide other yeah. dirty, dirty things secrets. under there. Yeah, or just put them out in the open. Well, I was going to say, I don't, that doesn't bring to mind the tooth fairy. It's not like they bring you a person. They bring you a friend. <laughs> and yeah. shove that under the pillow. I agree. Well, it's, yeah, it's twisted just enough to be completely yeah. in, uh, incomprehensible. I thought of a weird uh, interpretation that's probably not accurate, but I just thought you would get a kick out of it. Uh, okay. I thought it was a bug. <laughs> <laughs> a dust mite. Or, or just like, yeah, something, some creepy critter crawling around. And uh, I, I imagine this happening to Linnell and him getting terrified and then being like, oh, new friend, you know? How many of these do you think are actually based on real things that are, he's drawing from? Like, I don't know, because, you yeah. know, when you when you have that kind of antenna mind, uh, no pun intended. Uh, what was the pun there? I just talked about bugs. Oh, okay. Uh, when you have that creative mind and you just, like, think of these phrases that pop into your head. Yeah. You know, I, I think they, they creep into the work a lot. Mm -hmm. If he just has a notebook full of weird phrases to... <laughs> put into songs yeah i i have stuff like that too yeah. i write down weird yeah isolated yeah. things i'm just like that could be something i think the distinction for you know good artists is knowing what's something that has legs mm -hmm. and something that's just nonsense that'll fade into the ether yeah for sure so there's there's a major Brian Dewan discussion to be had, possibly across episodes, because he's like a huge present figure and they might be giants. So we could talk a little bit about him, though I might, like I said, I might also save more for the Edison Museum because he co-wrote that song, actually. Mm. And that's kind of, to me, that's like very significant as opposed to just being a vocalist. Let's talk a little bit about Brian Dewan. Um, he built the things that are on the cover of the Lincoln album, mm -hmm. which is, you know, for me, like that's an, if someone just did that, I'm like, oh my God, you're awesome <laughs> forever. He opened for them. He played a right. lot of shows with them. Um, we'd like to remind everyone that Brian built this thing. And, uh, yeah. 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 It really works. So that's a show from the 80s, and they're saying Brian built this thing, which I believe is some sort of prop that they have on stage with right. them, though I don't know. It could be his keyboard, famous keyboard stand that he has, but I think he's playing accordion, so it's probably not that. But yeah, like Brian built the blue keyboard stand that Linnell uses at like every single show. He's They lived together. They were roommates. Brian's a, a songwriter, a carpenter. I wanted to play a clip. I actually, I have some weird, rare Brian Dewan stuff that okay. I don't think most people have because back in the 90s when... 
he started opening for them. Me and other fans got really excited about him, and mm-hmm. there was some tape trading done. Okay. So this is this is one random song that I have not seen pop up on any of Brian Dewan's albums or anything else. This is called "The Virgins in Outer Space," and let's let's listen to a clip uh, because I don't think many people know this song. Okay. I, I didn't even. The other thing is Brian, the mix his sound unique is he builds his own instruments. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's an electric zither. So that's literally like a sound you'll never hear in any other band ever, you know, any other uh, song or anything. Yeah. It's like its own sound. And there's more to talk about with that. There's a lot of stuff. So, but because it's fingertips, I want to yeah, move, move, move on moving. a bit. But uh, I like, do you like the slap bass in this song? I found a new friend underneath my pillow. <laughs> it's interesting to, uh, the way it's used in that song because it's like kind of a slow, quieter one and it's weird to do slap. <laughs> I, was think how, I was thinking how creepy the uh, organ sounded in that. Yeah. It sounded like door-to-door minotaur to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Good reference. All right. That's a personal favorite. I, I love that one. Let's... <laughs> I, that's my vote as creepiest <laughs> song they've ever written. I agree. I think I agree. Bar none records it, it like it deeply disturbs me <laughs> yeah i agree i completely agree we'll talk i'm excited i can't wait to talk about that in 10 I years know. i wish maybe we should go out of order for our, <laughs> i thought about that actually what if we just did random album discussions uh, i don't think we're allowed to doesn't yeah it's true we'll get a fine yeah. um let's go to track 23 uh this is real rocker it's called come on and wreck my car yes uh, come on and wreck my Flansburg's first appearance in Fingertips. Is that a fact? Whoa. (laughs) Wow. This was one of the ones I thought could be a full song. I could see this as a full song to me. Awesome. One thing we we haven't really talked about, like, is one of the ideas is that these are different genres and bands, right? Like, kind of going with the commercials, but a lot of them aren't super specific about what the band is. This to me sincerely sounds like a Young Fresh Fellows song. Mm. Like, this to me just sounds like Young Fresh Fellows. I can see that. Um, and it's kind of funny that I assume just Linnell's like, this is for Flansburg because mm-hmm. it's like very, very him. Something I was thinking about today, I wonder if this is a Beatles reference, which I never thought of until today. Yeah. Maybe you could drive my car. Yeah. Should we put a clip? <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that song, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the I titles are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It, and But it's also got the classic... I mean, this is a little preview of John Henry. The, the it's got the classic car accident, sure, sure. car wreck uh, motif that is in so many of their their songs over the course of their entire disc discog. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe this was the guy that was standing out the window. Yeah, well, the the if you want to go back to that uh, life interpretation, it's like, oh, teenager. this is when it's a teenager yeah. and blah blah <laughs> blah. And you know, I don't know. It's 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 really kind of a confusing. Thing to try to to map these like that, right. but some of them, like I said, some of them fit pretty well. And it has this song has a, a teenage feel. It has a 
re- rock yes. rebellious feel. Come on and wreck my car. Maybe that's the dad being like, you, you know, that's what's going to happen if I lend the kid the car. It has a youthful exuberance. Yes. I love, you know, it's a fun. It's very simple. Kind of, it's kind of stupid, simple. <laughs> in it, but I mean that in a, on purpose way. Um, the backing vocals, I couldn't tell if that's Flansburg's or Linnell's or both of them together. It's, it's, uh, I thought it was Flansburg. Yeah. Personally. It's hard to tell. What do you think, everyone? I don't, I guess I don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oof. If I'm to be honest, you yeah. know, I don't even like the, this band that much. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely injects some energy into fingertips, you know. <laughs> it kind of, it's a little more straightforward. Yeah. Uh, as well, but still ominous. Yes. Um, um Let's move on to track 24. 24 is the highest number, Dave. Did you know that? So far, yeah. Uh, aren't you the, the guy who hit me in the eye? Bastard wants to hit me. Aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? Aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? The very subtle uh, aren't. I really hear are you the guy, but... If that's what it says, that's what it says, right? Oh, yeah, I hear that, too. Yeah, yeah. it says it in the lyrics that it's aren't you the guy who hit yeah. me and I. Um, Dave, what are what do you think of this this song? I would love to hear a longer version of this <laughs> one, too, to be honest. I agree. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. This is, to me, like a sequ- the, an actual uh, sequel to Hotel Detective or something. It's It's got sure. the noir, yeah, yeah. private detective feel, all, you know, in music and in, in vibe, the lyrics... Uh, it really feels like an old, an old black and white uh, yeah. kind of movie. I also think Linnell has a, a preoccupation with people hitting him, or a fear of people hitting him. He really does. Comes up in a lot. <laughs> yeah, a I mean lot, it's funny. Dave, us scrawny guys have this problem, and it'd be you nice if you res- respected that. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Um, throughout my life, I didn't CrossFit. <laughs> be knocked down with a feather, you know. Um, yeah, but those scrawny guys sometimes go crazy on you. They just like bite your face off. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be yep. careful. I will fight dirty. It's not That's the true. size of the dog. It's no wait. It's mm. not. It's the fight in the dog. Anyway, yeah. Go on. Well, that's why I keep my nails long so I could scratch someone's eyes out. <laughs> Just punch him in the balls. Oh, you know one thing if we want to <laughs> yeah. get if we want to get super obsessive about the arrangements. It, this one's interesting, and I might play it again because it's kind of cool to hear. First, the bass does the same as the vocal melody, but then when it repeats. The bass kind of goes off on its own little adventure. Oh, interesting. So let, let's just listen to the bass now. Also, I'll, I'll point out since I'm going to play it again is that there's a cool higher harmony that you hear at the very very tail end. Yeah. Like the guy. <laughs> uh, but check check this out. And I also I think this is Flansburg, right? Uh, it might be both of them. It's kind of hard to tell. I think it might be Flansburg and then Linnell's doing the high one. But anyway, check out what the bass is doing. Okay. Check out the harmony. We're going to listen again. Will do. This song gets a double spotlight. Yeah, that's kind of uh, <laughs> outrageous. Aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? Aren't you the guy who hit me in the eye? So, hmm. um, yeah, it goes like do, 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 do. It's like do, 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 which is really cool. I mean, that you really have to, that's really like well thought you out. You really have to be a fucking. <laughs> you really have to. Put a bass MIDI down on your <laughs> your computer to do that. Nice horns too. Yeah, it's it's. I honestly, this also has the she's actual size feel yeah. to it too. You know, this maybe uh, maybe after he checked out this uh, lady, <laughs> some guy punched him <laughs> for looking at his uh, girl all or whatever. There. Yeah, we have all been there. Now let's go to track twenty five, and this is a, I think this is a personal favorite. Uh, please pass the milk, please. Please pass the milk, please. Please pass the milk, please. 
please pass the milk, please. Talk about slap bass right there. <laughs> yeah. I think that should have been like a minute longer. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of these could be. Um, yeah. I relate to this song, but usually I'm the only one having milk, so no one's really <laughs> hogging the milk. as. Uh, so. Yeah, where does this fit into the whole uh, life of a person? Would they regress and go back to being a baby? Yeah, maybe. Well, Linnell did say some of them got out of order. Oh, um, oh. We talked to Elma Meyer about, about this song, and I love this conversation, and I'm very excited to, and to show you. And I don't remember it. Um, so let's, let's, we really dig deep into this song. So, so let's check it out. She's got some little anecdotes to say about it. Uh, this is probably the most information you'll ever get about this five seconds of right. music in your right. entire life. So you're welcome. Just on a, a personal note, um, after listening to so much of your music, it, it almost seems like he was intentionally going for your sound and your style it's almost like a weird parody of like <laughs> your like some of this like a lot of what your album sounds like in a way it's a bouncy you know keyboardy sound I mean, I don't, I don't know if that was what he was going for, why he, they picked you. Did you have any sense of why you for, for these mm. or for Zero that one? Zero sense of why me. Zero sense. <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing that I could think of is that maybe because it's sort of a chromatic melody, it sounds mm -hmm. like a normal melody, but it's warped. Mm -hmm. The chords that the melody outlines aren't totally normal. And it just feels like... Maybe he thought I could do it because, you know, I don't know why. Yeah. You'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any inclination of what any of the lyrics meant or was that kept close to the vest? Like, in other words, why please pass the milk It's one of the weirder, you. it's one of the more specific <laughs> fingertips because the others yeah. are a little more general, like leave me alone or they're right. a little more like I statements. And then please pass the milk. It's like you're actually visual. You get a you get a little movie in your head. Uh, you yeah, know? that's what I got too. And and I I don't think it the movie was supplied to me. I just imagined <laughs> right. sort of a, a you know 1950s Jetsons family right. around a table. Mm -hmm. You know <laughs> when people had manners. When people had manners. That's right. Exactly. They said please and thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. You think there's like a temptation to ask them why or just mm. or were you just so into the I think about this a lot too like you're all in these kind of artsy new wave, you know, whatever you want to call it, bands, and then you it's kind of like a don't question it kind of thing, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a don't question it kind of thing. And I mean that little snippet is obviously hilarious because you repeat mm -hmm. the word please at the end of the phrase for no good reason. It's a little it it does seem a little childlike, like maybe it's a a kid asking his mom for milk kind of thing. I mean trying to be so so good and polite. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the funny <laughs> thing about the song. So, no, yeah. I never asked, what is this about? What is my motivation right. here, John? Just mm. give me something. <laughs> you know, I, I just sang it. And, and there was, and in the studio, there was not a lot of time for explanation. Uh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. the clock was ticking. The dollars were spinning, you know. Right. So, <laughs> which leads yeah, me true. to an <laughs> anecdote that I remember. During the recording of that song, 
I wanted to get it really in tune and really perfect. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I did like two or three takes and I thought, oh, I've almost got it. If I could do it like five more times, I'm sure I could get it. And Flansburg was like, nope, that's it. You've got it. No, <laughs> wow. hurry up. Come on. And, and it was like <laughs> business-like, come on. This is not, this is not uh, something to luxuriate in. You don't get to have, you know, the time to get it absolutely right. That was good enough. And I was like, no, but I was a little bit sharp on that second something or other. So I was amused that efficiency was valued so highly as opposed to perfection. <laughs> there is something weird to the music about it. And I don't know if it, like you said, like if it is the, the, the melody over the chords or if it's the specific tone of your voice or what, but there's something slightly off that I can never quite place. And I'm not really a music theory guy. I think it's the timing in that one, right? It's not a standard 4-4 four, four meter. I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, the, the, the meter is, is odd and the yeah. um, melody has, what is it? Is it like an augmented something or other. So do you remember what you thought of the finished product of Fingertip? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I was really into miniatures in in music. Um, my hmm. ideal song length for, for anything is about 45 seconds. <laughs> if you can't do it in 45 seconds what's the point? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and a lot of my songs on my album from a millennia ago are are fairly short, like a, around a minute. So I thought an eight second song or an 11 second song, perfect. That uh, So I was very pleased that they did that. It's interesting what you said about the, the brief songs, because as a whole, fingertips is like four minutes, five minutes, but because it's made up of these 20 separate little things. It goes by like so fast. It's like the fastest five minute mm-hmm. song I've ever heard, you know, cause I'm also similar. Like I, I don't have a lot of patience for a pop song that goes past like three, four minutes with fingertips. It's like really weird how it plays with time. I, I do wonder if there's some, I don't know, like deeper ideas to like the way time passes in it and the way like their, their philosophies about short songs kind of taken almost like to an ex, like a grotesque extreme. I always imagined, and, and this is not necessarily, you know, corroborated by conversations with them, but I just imagined they had so much music that they wanted to do and so many snippets lying around that they thought, why not, you know, who needs to finish the song? You get the idea. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a brilliant way to to sort of, you know, like throw away these brilliant little gems. So wasn't that great? Thank you, Elma. Thank uh, you. You will hear the full interview sometime in the future. I've got to edit it. Nice. Uh, but it was great. Um, it made me think of that song in new ways. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Let's go to track 26, Leave Me Alone. I relate to this one too. I kind of relate to all of these in a way. So the first point I want to make is is um, we talked to Ed about fingertips, so this is a little preview. But Ed mentioned that the 
the MIDI in these are a little more primitive than late mm-hmm. and other songs in the album because he thinks th- this was kind of early on in the process and uh, you know they didn't like worry too much about making each one have like realistic drums. This one, the drums sound super kind of silly to me in a way. I don't know if you caught that. I did just now. Yeah, they're they're kind of funny. It was sounding. weird. It was the first time I ever heard how kind of off they sounded. Yeah, they're a little off and a little yeah. small sounding for what yeah. should be kind of a big epic uh, sure. moment, right? What do you think about this one, Dave? It's, uh, it's another example of paranoia and it has an ominous vibe to it. It's not inviting. It, it fits all the themes. My own note on this one was that it, maybe this is the most personal one for Linnell. Hmm. <laughs> Anyone who's uh, waited for him after a concert to get an autograph uh, could maybe uh, re- connect this one to that. He's a very private person, as, as, he as he should be. As is his want. Until somebody does a 500-hour podcast about yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I feel. I actually feel bad about that. Um, I you once, should. <laughs> I once met him outside of the context of a They Might Be Giants uh, thing. I, I met him at one of my jobs I had, mm-hmm. which is weird. And when I revealed to him that I was a They Might Be Giants fan, he seemed to... Crestfallen. There was a... <laughs> he was very polite. I'll say yeah. that. But But then afterwards, there was a... A very like very observable distance he was keeping sure. from me like oh i'm just gonna stand 40 feet away uh from the for the rest of the the day I think, I think it's understandable <laughs> and i'm like yeah i get that you're just trying to you're off the clock right off the clock and you got to be cautious you know yeah his vocals here are funny and great yeah uh, and uh and deep yeah leave <laughs> yeah actually there's one coming up that i'm shocked is, is even his voice that's pretty deep. Yeah, sometimes I get confused, actually, between yeah. the guest vocalists and the Johns. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. You're welcome again. But yeah, leave me alone. You've got the organ. It's, it's yeah, it's, uh, I think there's not much ambiguity <laughs> about what the song yeah. is saying. But, you know, this one leads into the next one really well also. There's a, there's a lot of good... It's like a call and response. There's again. a lot of good flow from this point on, I'll say that. And it, it seems extremely intentional. I have, like, the next eight all relating to each other. Okay. Let's listen to track 27. Who's knocking on the wall? We've got Brian Dewan again. I actually did look around on a lot of... I, I know his songs already because I'm I, I'm a fan. I have both mm-hmm. of his albums. Um, but I actually thought in terms of the vocal, who's knocking on... Yeah. This one reminds me the most of that vocal performance because usually he sings kind of higher than that. But this one he's doing a little low. This is from his debut album and it's called Feel the Brain. <laughs> That, that kind of has the who's knocking on the wall vibe to me. The reverb yeah. and the the spooky, s- slow, kind of f- quiet feel. Yeah. I can see it. I wanted to to ask you what you thought of the lyrics to this one, Dave. I think they're creepy. Yeah, because, well, here's my thing. Who knocks on a wall? You'd be a door usually, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think it's really creepy to postulate this 
query. Yeah, who's <laughs> knocking on the wall. To me, my mind goes right to like a ghost, <laughs> right? Could be a ghost. Because you hear weird. I mean, honestly, we, last week, me and my girlfriend. You saw a ghost. No, but there was these weird apartment noises that kept yeah. happening, like some scraping thing. And we're like, is there like a rat in the wall or what the hell's going Could on? Be. I also think knocking on a wall is a sign of intimidation too. Like if you, if a guy's like trying to get into your place, like from an outside source and he's knocking. It's kind of connects yeah. to who's that standing out my window, right? It's who's that standing out my window and now they're Someone's knocking trying on the to wall. get into the house. Yeah. And then the next few songs kind of further that theme. I want to, this actually reminded me of something I didn't plan, but I, I want to just tell a very quick story that involves this one, which is. Well, we have plenty of time, yeah, so go ahead. No, this was like a huge moment for me in my life. And it was hugely inspired by fingertips uh, and many of the ones we talked about. And I, I don't know if you'll know this, if you'll remember this, Dave. If I'll um, know or if I'll care. In uh, junior high, <laughs> yeah, possibly high school, bad memory, um, I had to give an oral report on Macbeth to my English class. <laughs> so that's not uh, scary, right? So I, I read Macbeth and, and all that, and I think I understood it, right? Okay. Um, and so I thought I would do something different for the oral report because I kind of, in a way liked being in the spotlight a little mm -hmm. bit, even though it terrified me. I've always been kind of both ways. But um, what I did was I created a like a outline of what to talk about. And to punctuate my points, I did, I made a cassette tape with clips of songs to wow. like go with what I'm saying. And many of the fingertips went along with Macbeth weirdly well, huh. because a lot of Macbeth is that he starts oh. to lose his mind, right. see ghosts, hear voices, and he's paranoid. And everyone's like, something's wrong with Macbeth. Like, what's going on with him? So I remember using this one especially because there's a part where I'm like, he starts to imagine vo uh, sounds. So I put like, who's knocking on the wall? I put like, leave me alone and right. all these things. What did your classmates think? This was like a rousing success. And my English teacher oh. was blown away. It was a and good ending. He came up. Yeah, this is one of the only good things that happened to me in like junior oh, high school. Well, I'm sorry I asked. He came up to me after to just be like, he, he recommended me for like AP English because of that. No. Nice. And which I, you know, so, and then a, a girl got a crush on me from that too. That, from that? Yeah. Okay. Well, now I don't believe you. Well, cause I was. You know, all those girls have crushes on guys that go the extra mile in their book reports. Well, I got like a lot of, I'm going to say again, most of my junior high <laughs> memories are pathetic and sad and lonely. This was one of the only nice moments. Um, no, well, I, I wish got, you well. I got a lot of laughs and like yeah. I did, you know everyone was really into it and and my english teacher kind of saw like whoa the class is like excited about Macbeth. Then he stole your whole <laughs> presentation and he started doing that for everyone yeah well it's a long story but because of that this girl got a crush on me but i didn't know at the time nice. but she wrote it in my yearbook a year later that oh. she did or that end of the year that she did and then i got a crush on her because of that because a girl's <laughs> never said that to me before but then by then she wasn't interested and it was a weird it was almost like a sitcom it was this back and forth thing it was a will they won't they had no happy ending i'll tell you that much all right yeah so that 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 reminded me of that but hmm. that was very inspired by fingertips being interesting like, how, you know, it also kind of shows that you can apply these to so many things because a lot of them work with Macbeth weirdly well. I think that's a new fan theory now. Yep. The next one, track 28. Another alone thing. All alone, all alone, all by myself. Dave. I think this could be a full song. This sounds like a classic Linnell yeah. song. It's it, almost like uh, Where Your Eyes Don't Go or something. It's almost like the genre they're doing is they yeah. might be giants right. for that <laughs> song, right? Um 
what I find super interesting about this is the structure is that two tracks prior, you have Leave Me Alone. And then this comes in almost as like a refrain or like a bridge to whatever the Leave Me Alone song is. Like it's almost like a response or like a parallel uh, track that it's on, right? It's interesting. Right, and if someone is knocking on the wall and you again say you're alone, it's creepier. It's it's weird. I mean, it's as if they did another one that was like, now I'm drinking milk. And you're like, well, they passed the milk and now you're, you know, it's like really specific to do that. That is what kind of encourages fans, I think, to connect everything. Uh, but it could also be maybe he's being mischievous and being like, no, there is no connection, but mm. I'm going to pretend that there is, you know, right? What, what could it be? This one's super catchy and fun. Yeah, I, could, I could see this being a song. Let's go to the next one. Track 29, Feeling Fine. What's that blue thing doing here? This one is like confounding, right? Oh, yeah. I don't. Well, I can. T- can you guess the theory? In the in the big theory that pe- that one fan had a blue thing doing here, what did he uh, he had a baby himself? There you go. That it was a boy, I guess. They thought, or that it's like a pregnancy test, and then because oh, I don't know what colors those are. <laughs> What's well, like I think blue means you have a baby. That was the theory well, again. I, I got it. <laughs> I'm pleading ignorance. Um, no, it's it's another thing where it's so specific to say yeah. it's both specific and not to say there's a blue thing. You're confused by it. You don't know why it's there. Yeah. Definitely matches the other tracks where you're like, who's that? What's that sound? What's happening? And there's more of that coming too. I actually had to double check that this is not Nick Hill, that this is Jean Linnell. That's what I was saying, yeah. Yeah, right? It sounds like Nick Hill. And why didn't they just have him do it, I wonder? Because it really sounds like him, but it's Linnell doing a super deep voice. Indeed. And the drums, it's just a kick drum and crashes. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's weird. It's it, uh, I, something I noticed with a lot of these, how sparse a lot of them are uh, that I don't, I didn't really think about until now, right? Yeah. Um, what do you have any theories? What's the blue thing, Dave? See, I, I couldn't decide on whether it was an object or yeah. like a living thing, because a <laughs> Smurf, second yeah. Smurf reference. I, you know, just I thought a monster or something. I mean, that's the way my mind works. Like I thought it was a demon, you a know, a blue meanie. Yeah, <laughs> from yes. Yellow Submarine. Because I could easily see, like Linnell had a party or something, and someone left behind like a scarf, and he's just like, "What is this blue thing doing here?" Like, sure. You know, dramatically, but I, I can think also see a lot see, of these like, could be Linnell at a party. Right. In keeping with the themes of the previous songs, it seems like something bad is going to happen mm-hmm. with discovering this blue thing. Man, what is the blue thing? Wouldn't that be the question? <laughs> Here, but the question is also: is is it anything? Right. Like, do you think Linnell's just like he has something in mind, or that it's just yeah. like no, it's not about that's not the point. Sure. The point is like. That's just a ra- a thing someone could say at one time in their life, yeah. and I'm capturing that in a song. Who knows? Track 30, Something Grabbed a Hold of My Hand. Something grabbed a hold of my hand, I didn't know what had my hand, but that's when all my troubles began. Something grabbed a hold of my hand. I think it was the blue thing. The blue thing. Well, the the interpretation on that uh, as part of the big one was like pregnancy test, and then you know what happens. You got to get married. So then it's like you know oh. that's the idea there. Uh, again, I, I, don't, I don't think that's bad at all. Like the little kid grabs your hand. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I think this is a great song in it, in itself too. I, I could see this being extended. We should definitely talk about the vocalist, which is yes. 
Amy Allison, another person who has like a, a super interesting voice yeah. being used in a perfect way on fingertips. Something we talked about with like Peter Stamfell and maybe Elma Meyer too is like out of context, the voices seem so strange. But then when you explore their catalogs, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is, you get used to it and you're like, this is what they sound like. Hmm. But only hearing fingertips by itself, I was like, what is, like, what yeah. am I hearing? Um, it's also because they're kind of outside their genres. Like mm-hmm. Amy Allison is a, a fantastic country songwriter and it kind of fits, like it's still, her voice is still pretty unique, but when she's doing these kind of songs about like, a big one is like the whiskey makes you sweeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Cantrell covered that one on her album. Like it kind of fits because it sounds like kind of I see. someone with an acoustic guitar doing country songs and right. kind of she sounds like a woman who's had like a lot of like stuff happen to her just from her voice. Huh. Um, I wanted to play a little bit of a clip though here. Yeah, let's listen. She, let's hear it. She also did a Hello CD of the Month yes, uh, release. And, I know. And here's a really fun <laughs> song from that. This song has a very uh, Dead on a Friday uh, title. It's Hate at First Sight. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, her lyrics are funny nice. and dark. Uh, I, I think I, I might get into her stuff because I, I everything I listened to was, was cool. This is something that really shocked me, Dave. Yeah. I found this right before you showed up okay. to record. Here is a clip of Amy Allison on Nick Hill's radio show. It's all connected. And listen what happens in this clip. Amy Allison and the Maudlins are the name of the combo that you're listening to here on WFMU Uppsala College, East Orange, New Jersey. What time is it? Nine o'clock? It's just about Time for a legal ID, and that's why, I, well, we're early. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I mean, thanks. I mean, <laughs> Sorry to barge in on you like this, but why not? Oh, good to see you. Glad for stopping by. <laughs> I hear the wind blow. Come on. Right. <laughs> okay, should we do, well, since we're in New Jersey, why don't we do Garden State Mall? Well, that sounds Yeah. Can you believe that? I randomly found that. Wow. I just found like a what a find an hour and a half long radio show she did, and I clicked on a random part, and it's her singing Nick Hill's Fingertip, and it's a, first of all, I'm not sure I get why she's singing it. It's some sort of a inside joke or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't under. I've listened to that clip like ten times, and I don't get the context. This gets a big laugh from everyone, right? Yeah, it's like a big in joke. Yeah, so like they're all that very. I don't get. <laughs> they're all like hanging out and and referencing the fingertips, like you do, and that's very exciting to me and and interesting. They might be giants of the glue. I I agree. This has come up a few times with our interviews. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. all. I have even more clips of all these people hanging out and stuff. And more and, specifically, Flansburg, I think, is the glue <laughs> yeah. that just kind of he's connecting all these people. Exactly. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Uh, her speaking voice is just like her singing voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she she's had an interesting career. She hadn't even put out an album or anything when she did Fingertips. Oh, really? Her, yeah. Um, her the Hello disc came like a few years later, and then yeah. she put out an album that included four of the songs on the Hello disc, like five six years later. So 
this might be like her album debut that Flansburg gave her. So it's it's interesting. Though Very she's cool. in all the stuff I've listened to and read, like people just everyone loves her. Like yeah. she's like people just love her songwriting, her her as a person. And That's the impression I got as well. Yeah, she's. Um, I, I really the do research like. Research I did. Yeah, I like her songwriting too. Anyway, let's go to track thirty-one. I don't understand you. I don't I just don't understand you. I don't understand the things you say. I can't understand a single word. I don't understand you. So what is this, the divorce? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Something that jumps out at me immediately is it appears to be from the same like musical planet as something grabbed a hold of my hand, right? Because you've got these arpeggios. Sure. I always saw those two songs as one thing. And again, was that on purpose? Was that consistency part of the plan? Because it is weird because the whole point of fingertips is like these total separate blasts to your to your ears. Track 30 and 31 really sound like they're one song to yeah. me. You know, did you ever think that too? No. <laughs> Not until now, but I agree. Yeah. And it has the, uh, yeah, that piano sound. Yeah, it's like, a, it's kind of harpsichordy, yeah. uh, you know, arpeggios and stuff. And it, it, yeah, it almost seems like it's like a similar key or something. It's, they really seem connected. And it's still another negative sentiment. <laughs> It's it's not positive. Nope, nope. You've got the what kind of a funny sounding like synth bass. It's like a very eighties yeah. bass. This is almost a whole song. This is one of the longest fingertips. Yes. Uh, we should talk about that. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but he's just saying the same thing again and again. That's true. It's still one sentence basically. Right. <laughs> and he's saying it so much that you you get the idea that like he really doesn't understand <laughs> what someone's saying to him. I, I love the backing vocal too. It's kind of funny. Like I don't understand. Yeah, he's still kind of doing a voice too. Yeah, I, I, the only one that doesn't seem like a voice is like what we said, "All Alone, All Alone." Mm. It, that's the one that to me sounds like a classic. They might be Giants song. You know, that could have been like right. "Don't Let's Start" uh, Volume Two or whatever. Right. <laughs> but all the rest are kind of weird voices, and he sings lower. He sings kind of in a funny way. He's singing up here. He's, he's singing, singing down there. there. Let's go to the next one. I'm really running out of ways to say <laughs> to transition to the next track. I'll do it. Oh, What's good the idea. Next one? I heard a sound. I heard a sound. I turned around. Turned around to find the thing that made the sound. This one's really short. Uh, yeah. Dave? <laughs> it's weird. Well, this it's funny. It's so really I, weird. I have two points about this. One, this one kind of captures what it's like to listen to fingertips <laughs> in a way, right? It's like, I heard a fucking thing and I'm like, what? <laughs> My only other point about this, it kind of sounds like something from like their first album to me. I could see the, that. The funny yeah. gravelly voices yeah, and the yeah. wacky timing. And it, it's almost crazier than their first album in a way. It's still to me relating to previous songs though. Yeah. Who's yeah. knocking on the wall. I heard a sound. Yeah. I've turned around. Um, Who's out the window? It's all the paranoia. A lot of these, yeah, a lot of these are someone in this kind of like existential mystery of like, there's things happening around me that I don't understand. So is that like their kid growing up? (laughs) I should find that interpretation and, and, you know. It's It's cool. No, yeah. I I think it it works. I'm not knocking it. It works really well for the bookends. I'll say that. I could see it already. Okay. Oh, wow. I could really see it. (laughs) Yeah. Track 33. Uh, Dave, Mysterious wait, you said you were going to introduce the, them from now whisper. on. Mysterious whisper. Mysterious whisper. 
So I'll say uh, this one feels the longest <laughs> to me. Yeah. It's also another response to the last song. Yeah, it all, it, like there's, it's funny, I never noticed until we did this right me, now that so either. many are about hearing sounds yeah. and being like um, spooked and like, I don't know. Um, it's a demon. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, to me, just the central humorous thing about this is that he's belting out the sure, word whisper. I got it. <laughs> I got yeah, it. That yeah, much I, I did see. This is one I don't know if I'd want to be a, a song. Nah. I might, I might point this. This might be my least favorite uh, fingertip. Whoa. I know. But I do like the idea, though. So that's the thing. I, I still think it's, I like that it's mysterious whisper. I like that it's, it's funny. And I like how it connects to everything else. I guess that's it. The day that love came to play. This could have been longer. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I used to say to people, all my friends, <laughs> that this was my favorite fingertip. Oh, really? I don't know if it is anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it still is. I don't think I could name one. But I, I couldn't play for favorites. For some reason, I loved the vocal and yeah. the way uh, it just had this something about it where I was like, oh, I love this one. Well, it's almost like two little songs within a little yeah, song, <laughs> which exactly. is crazy. We're really uh, through the looking glass. Yeah. The um, first part could be longer. Yeah, the second part could be longer. Yeah. So I've always assumed, I've always been positive this is Flansburg, but I had a weird freak out yesterday where I was like, is this Linnell? And I don't think it is, but there's a certain hmm. moment where it sounds like Linnell, where he's like, love. It kind of yeah, sounds I thought like, it was Linnell. Well, see, now we don't know. Um, I'm sure people are going to fight about this. <laughs> I'm almost positive it's Flansburg, but I'm, I'm just telling you I had a crisis of faith yeah. uh, yesterday because I was trying to really nail down who sings what, which I don't normally have problems with. Uh, Me either. But in terms of the fingertips, it's a bit tough because you, it's so, it, it's not enough time They're to. They're also affecting each other's voices. They are. I noticed that too. I don't know if this is worth mentioning. The The Wikipedia posits that this might be a reference to the <laughs> Captain Beefheart song, This is the Day. Yeah. Dave, would you like to hear it? Sure. Uh, More um, than anything ever. I don't know if it is. In fact, like I said, I don't know if any of these are references to anything. But it also seems weird because you think this would be ripe opportunity to reference tons of musical acts right. and stuff, but it doesn't seem like it is. Hmm. Um, <laughs> this is the day that love chose to play. The day love came to stay. This kiss is for the first time. And this kiss is for that time. Love yeah, it might just be a, a turn of phrase that's similar. It might not be intentional, but I figured it was worth putting that out there. Just for the sake of completion. Thanks to the wiki for... Whoop! <laughs> Thanks to the wiki for thinking of that. Wow, we're almost done with the fingertips, Dave. Whoa. My fingertips are tingling. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh... Let's go to the next one, which is a <laughs> depressing one. Uh, here we yeah. go. I'm having a heart attack. 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 Love those drums. <laughs> Very Phil Collins type Phil. <laughs> yeah, that that's an awesome moment. And that does make you wish it was a full song. Um, 
there's not too much to say about this one in terms of maybe to you, but uh, it, it is interesting. I'm about to go off in the Apollo 18 tour in '92. This is one of the only ones that they consistently played live at shows. And let's listen to let's sure. listen that. And it excited the audience, I noticed, in a lot of these these bootlegs. <laughs> I wonder why that one, right? Yeah. I just, I don't know. Uh, I out like of all guitar. the others. Yeah, that's, I think that's Flansburg, you know, going nuts I think on so. guitar. Yeah, I mean, certainly this one fits with that overall theory. Yeah. That it's like something, you know, where we're nearing the end of someone's life. I mean, I thought the song was a lot funnier when I was younger. Yeah, I know. The older I get, it's like a real fear. I, I actually have the exact same uh, <laughs> journey with this song. Um, no, it is weird. It's It's kind of funny, but it's kind of not funny it's funny in the sense that all of these are kind of funny because it's you're hearing these weird you know out of context little things and but the more you get used to them and the more you they stop being as funny and they <laughs> but then they get funny again it's like one of those jokes where <laughs> you repeat it enough times and it goes through all these things. i think maybe the creature gave him a heart attack this guy the that's blue thing well yeah. it, you know it certainly makes sense that if you hear a sound and turn around and there's knocking on the wall yeah and something's tormenting him at, at this point you know it's it's probably gonna cause a heart attack or something yeah. like kind of like that thing behind you <laughs> sorry now let's uh <laughs> let's begin to close things out with track 36 fingertips again We've got Peter Stamfell again oh boy. on vocals, which, by the way, not to be a bad fan, I had no idea until this episode. Um, oh, really? I just assumed it was John Linnell or Flansburg. Huh. Um, I never really looked at the liner notes that closely, I guess. I didn't know that was him. But now you can't unhear it, right? Yeah, I can kind of see it now. We did talk to him very briefly about this one. Let's close out the interview with Peter Stamfell. And I wasn't showing any of the other parts. Like, like I didn't, I didn't hear the oh, really? entirety. Yeah, at all until until it came out. And oh I was, wow! I was I was delighted to be part of such a cool right. uh, conglomerate. You know? Yeah. Well, you kind of you like bring it all in, really. Like, there's one <laughs> there's one before right. you, but it's like a kind of a prologue, and then you're the one who's like, this is yeah. You're saying fingertips, which is the name of the song, you know, and and you bring yeah. it. <laughs> It's very like you bring it out as well. Yeah, and then you, you take it, it out. We could also talk about the, the <laughs> other one where you, you whisper fingertips, which seems that seems like it was a quick studio session. But as <laughs> I, I'm just guessing, though, I assume that was just in the same session that you yeah. had already yeah. done. And mm-hmm. do you do you recall any direction about that? Like a way? I assume they told you to whisper it, unless that was your idea. Yeah. No, no, they they told me to whisper it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any impressions of the Johns when you were working yeah, with them? Yeah, what was it like working with them? Albeit short. Smart, smart and nice. <laughs> Dave. So what is this, the, the we, death rattle? We, yeah. The whispering? We are at the end of Fingertips. And let's listen to track 37, one of the more 
I'd say one of the more eerie and yeah. a- atmospheric things on a They Might Be Giants album. Track 37, I Walk Along Darkened Corridors. What do you think of this one? Well, I know for a long time you thought it was a Morrissey parody. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't know if I invented that. I think someone thought it sounded like Morrissey. I, for that reason, I don't like it. <laughs> I will um, I will say the way he says long is extremely like Morrissey. And I can even play a clip of a, I Smith, thought you would. Of a Smith song where Morrissey says the word along oh, in a boy. very similar way. Uh, so check this is this is from their incredible album Strange Ways mm. Here We Come and mm-hmm. the song is Last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me and it's a fan Aww. it's a it's a Poor fan Morrissey. it's a fan favorite uh Smith song and just so think about the way he sings I walk along darkened right mm-hmm. and then check out the way Morrissey sings along So tell me how You know, I don't know if it's intentional. Mm. We did talk to Ed about that, which you'll hear in a bit. It comes up. We had a pretty wide-ranging uh, fingertips conversation with Ed. Mm. But um, it might be, it might not be. I yeah. don't know. But on, on its own, apart from that, what, do you have any uh, reactions to it? I think it's a good closeout to the fingertips journey. Like we said, it's super intentional um, structured this way. Yeah. Like this could not be the first fingertip. No, this could that'd not, be weird. Not even be in the middle. Not even in the middle. This just to me is the kind of a scary, you know, view of, uh, sure. of I mean, if you want to go with that interpretation, it's it's the afterlife. Is this he's in heaven walking <laughs> along I, the, I don't know if it's the heaven. hallowed halls? Yeah, but it sounds so angelic. The really? Echo, wow. The I, echo and I like, here. I don't know, some kind of strings and stuff. To me, this sounds like a, like a purgatory or hell situation. Walking along darkened corridor. You imagine heaven as a dark, empty place with corridor yeah isn't that what heaven is that's the jewish heaven i think right <laughs> i mean maybe not the darkened part i mean maybe they have to turn the lights <laughs> on when like you get through five the... words oh. <laughs> i just meant the music the music sounds angelic not demonic i was gonna say that well to me it's like a funeral organ yeah. sound uh it uh, it almost sounds like there's accordion in there mm-hmm. um i it also to me sounds like a cello but being that no one is credited on cello it might be a synth I've always found this very haunting and it's yeah. kind of funny too because he's doing a funny voice. Is This is not a sincere voice. I thought it was the, the corridors that lead up to heaven. That's why, you know, like you kind of like alone first and then it's like God appears, you know, as you go in heaven. <laughs> don't, don't you know that? No, I thought it was people see a light. <laughs> Isn't it? All right. Walk into the well, light. Well, I guess I'm wrong. Like in soul, you know. <laughs> It was a darkened corridor. So yeah, I, I've always I've always thought this one. Well, first of all, this is like as long as a song. It's like a minute long. As long as a song can, <laughs> <laughs> and and just as strong. I wouldn't mind this one being a real song either. Like a like a. I wouldn't either, but I want him to sing in his usual voice. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I could see I that. I can't take that affectation. It's it's, it's weird because it, it, I don't, to me, it's haunting, but it's like that typical They Might Be Giants paradox where it's haunting, but then he's singing it in a funny way. And yeah. it, it's like, I don't know. I mean, when they do it live, it's more, much more bombastic and more of like a, not a parody, I guess, if that is what it is. It's almost celebratory live. Right. To me, the, the the live version as it currently is, to me, more it seems more like they're just celebrating that they finished fingertips. <laughs> That they're like, let's Without just, messing up. Yeah, like, let's just yeah, have fun. For sure. And also there's that typical irony of their kind of live performances where it's, you know, they, especially with Linnell, there's that vibe of like, rock is in quotes. It's like, uh -huh. you know, the way he's singing it is kind of a joke because it's not like he's singing some, it's not an enthusiastic sentiment, <laughs> but he's singing it like it's some big, exciting thing everyone could rock out. It's, you know, there's a lot going on there. But I've always found this song fairly haunting and yeah. there's this kind of a bareness to just like, it's a, you know, a, a darkened corridor to me is, is just, it reminds me of like when I'd work at, as the intern in Dubway and you, yeah. I'm like turning the lights off at 3 a.m. when everyone's gone and I'm alone and I'm just kind of, it's like these, Dubway is, has these long hallways with all the different studios. But wasn't it a little heavenly? No. Oh. <laughs> Still can't work that in there. So... So Dave, um, hey, what's up? <laughs> that is fingertips, except for our discussion with Ed, which I was I want to save till the end because it's he says some really. Do you remember? I'm sure you remember this, Dave. He he has some crazy ideas and insights about what went on during fingertips and about a few vocalists yeah. that may have made an appearance but not ended up on the the finished product and. This might shock our our listeners, and, and we're going to talk all about it. So let's listen to our conversation with Ed about fingertips. Roll them. Fingertips was his own set of sessions. We only did, we, basically they did three sessions, mm -hmm. three groups of sessions, about three weeks each. And then they came back like in October, November. It might have been even after the rest of the album was done and mixed. Mm -hmm. They came back. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was after the rest of the album was mixed because Alan Winston was, he did, he was done and went. So then they came back, and there's mostly sequence in this, on this. There's not as much mm. overdubs besides the vocals on this one. Um, they were trying to get, it, get a lot of it done, obviously, in a little bit of time, and they had, like, you know, 32 songs to put together. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very much, it was very, you know, I think, I think eventually I figured out what they were doing, but, I mean, at first it was just like, okay, let's do this song now, and this song, you know, we were just kind of like, doing each piece and putting it down pretty fast. What's interesting about this, uh, this group of songs is obviously the, the guest vocalists. Yeah. This last group of sessions, we had a lot more visitors, as they say, mm -hmm. um, as it went along. And uh, one of the, the people who I remember very deliberately on one, of the, one or two of the songs and not on the finished record was Kerry, Ki Kerry Kinney from the state and we know 911. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. So, so Carrie Kinney came in. I know, I know this because I was well, a huge state fan. Well, she had a band, actually. Cake yeah, I was, I was a huge state fan. So when she came in, I was, this was probably the most starstruck 
I got. Sure, for, I'm a huge for, State fan too, actually. Yeah. So when she came in, she did them. I think she did the ones that Elmer Meyer ended up singing on. Something grabbed a hold of my hand and please pass, please the, milk. pass the milk, please. Okay. Yeah. Those were definitely her songs. I don't know why she wasn't on the finished record. Um, wow. I don't remember them having a different singer come in, so they could have done that with the mixes. I, I have no idea what they maybe maybe she, Maybe she had contractual things that... Who know? Who know? I have no idea. That's the question. I wonder for how they even knew her. Because was the state even on? The state premiered in '93. You know what? Actually, I think of it. It could have been reversed. It could have been that. I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember now. Because maybe, maybe yeah. I maybe when I saw the state, I was like, "Oh, that was the one." Who, but she definitely. I mean, I know for a fact that she was there. Wow. She wow. Did the, I, I can I can still hear her voice on those two songs. Yeah. Wow. That were played. So. <laughs> I think it would fit. Then the other vo- guest vocalist that didn't happen. Uh huh. And this one's maybe a little more obvious because you must know that they're they're friends, but uh, but Charles from the Pixies, oh, wow. they were in town, <laughs> d- they were in town doing a tour. And this was like this was '91, and me and John, the Johns, and Paul, we all went to see the Pixies at the Wits, wow, on 54th Street. And then the next day, he came by the studio, and we were working on fingertips. And I assumed that you know, oh, maybe he's going to do one of the parts on there, you know, and. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they asked him and he wasn't interested or he was tired or he had to go on <laughs> to his next show. I sure. don't really know, but all I remember is like I was a huge Pixies fan back then. Yeah. I'd seen like their first New York show ever, like in 87 or 88, wow. 89. Mm. And so the thing is, the show itself was not, the, their show the night before was not that great. Well, they were breaking up in 91. They were breaking up. Yeah, no, I definitely got the feeling because <laughs> the show was very much like, it seemed, it had an amazing light show. And the band itself was just kind of like lifeless. It was kind of going <laughs> well. They, they the don't have any stage presence. Uh, in no, general. no, they don't. They don't. They don't. But they. But they were definitely. I. I have having seen them before, like four or five times before that. Yeah. It was very obvious. So Charles came in. I don't know if he even came into the studio and listened to anything. I think he was outside. Just, just came by to say hi. Wow. Because I remember going out there and meeting him, and I was very excited to meet him. And he asked me what I thought of the show, <laughs> and and I didn't didn't. I, and it was one of those like. I don't want to be honest to someone like who, whose music I like. So I said, yeah. I really, I really like the light show. That's what I said. I really like the light show. <laughs> nice. And he says, yeah, we, we've been hearing that a lot. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe That's people maybe being a lot polite. of people were... So he came by the studio. It, it would have been cool if he did one of the fingertips vocals, but uh, he didn't. Well, but how do you know that... Did they mention that? Like that they wanted that to happen? Or... I, I, no, it was, just, it was just one of those things that like... I, th- I think they were talking about it. They were talking about it when he came down, and I'm not sure what happened that it did that it didn't happen because he didn't. I don't, I don't remember him coming into the studio and hanging out. I don't remember him. You know, he definitely didn't didn't do any vocals. Mm-hmm. But John, you're saying John and John were talking about it, or yeah, was- yeah, John, and John were talking. You know, because we had gone to go see him, and I think they said, "Oh, he's coming down," ah. and I assumed that, oh, you know, he has. They have all these songs where they need to put do vocals, and they're supposed to be all different bands and groups. Each song is supposed to be a different recording artist. So I thought, oh, maybe maybe they'll put they'll put him on there, but no, it didn't happen. I'm not sure why, but I think he would have been great on uh, "Come On and Wreck My Car." Yeah, <laughs> oh, personally, totally. I totally. can see that. Yeah, um, well, that's really interesting. Anything else about uh, fingertips that you remember? Besides the like, curious thing on stuff, I mean, the, I think the one that like, leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a couple a couple where, where the vocals are so affected that you know, like that one, "Leave Me Alone" was one of them. Affected in what in what sense? The fact that he was just like you know singing a different, he was acting like a different person, like like he was like you know he was singing like a more like an opera singer or something like that. It was like a different Linnell, and also then was uh, what's that blue thing doing here? Yeah, yeah. I think you asked about one of them being a Morrissey vocal parody, and the funny thing is that if if, if uh, Alan and and uh, Clive were working with Morrissey, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a chance that maybe they said, hey, we'll do a Morrissey 
uh, that could have been very kind of a little nod to the fact that they, they went on to do the Morrissey record. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, otherwise, it's like yeah, I think there's a lot of like really interesting vocal things. Oh, the, oh, the day that love came to play. That's the one which I yes. kind of reminded me of. Uh, the Ricky Ricardo thing, where it's basically right. just like very much like. <laughs> I totally hear that. Yeah. It's funny when we were doing the, when we were recording it. I think probably the first two to three days was just throwing down each individual sequence. Okay. And not really knowing where they're going. You'll you'll hear that a lot of the stuff on there is the original sequence stuff. It's not as. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also not mixed as well as the rest of the record. The, all the the drums and bass stuff mm, sound much more MIDI. I I kind of know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Rather the rest of it, where they they were trying to make it sound more like a live band. There was not a lot of overdubs other than the the vocals. You know, we had a lot of guest vocals come in. I mean, that, the guy uh, Peter Stamfall. Yeah, he, he played banjo. Yeah, he actually. So he did one song completely by himself, just singing in banjo. Mm-hmm. So, like for instance, that didn't have any. That didn't have any sequence involved at all. That's yeah. one of the only songs that didn't have a sequence or anything beforehand. So he came in and he did probably like you know four or five, six, maybe six takes of it. And he did a bunch of them. Different times, they gave him a couple notes and he did a bunch of takes of it. Wow. And then he went back, he came back and then he did the, when well, he come back, he did the same day. But then we went to the, the reprise, um, where, he, where he kind of whispers yeah. fingertips. Yeah. The thing is, I never heard it all put together because it was, it was, because it was never, like you can't put up the, the tape and say, play, play, and it goes through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They, they basically, each section separately, they mixed them all separately. And then they, I mean, I think they probably did it on an analog tape. They probably, cut it all together um, rather than going to mastering and having them. I mean, they, they, they must have had some idea of the order of stuff, but I mean, it wasn't like when we were, when we were recording them, we didn't really know how it was going to flow together. I think they had some ideas of what they wanted. They wanted everything to sound like a different group. They mm-hmm. wanted to, which is why they had so many different vocals come in. They were doing so many affected voices. Did they ever name these by name? A lot of those conversations could have been had Mm-hmm. When when they were planning this, they could have been sure. like, you know, what 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 kind of song do we want to do here? But I don't think there was any like, you know, because even some of the because some of the crazier ones like, you know, do they love came to play? I can hear a certain thing to it, but like, it wasn't like a direct reference to any, sure, sure. any particular song. And again, you you you'll listen, you'll see there's not a lot of over, like instrumental overdubs, mm-hmm. not a lot of guitars, not a lot of, you know, there's a little accordion once in a while. You know, there's uh, like there's one of like the something grabbed a hold of my hand. Like, yeah. It had the organ in it, like describes how you're feeling, which probably was done. It was done on the computer rather than anywhere else. And otherwise, otherwise, yeah, it was just like it's just one of those crazy things that like was lot, was a lot more interesting when it was cut together. Yeah, when we were doing it in the studio. It was sort of like okay, we're doing one. Like we basically had to like you know we did all the sequences, and then when the vocalist came in, we'd say okay, let's we'll do her on this one. And I guess they must have been trying different voices because that mm. might be why Kira Kenny maybe didn't work out. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so, I can't get over it. I'm just still processing that. That's so strange. Yeah, but I, I remember it happening. Maybe she knew someone at the, the magic shop. She like could have done something else? famous pre-91. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think she's more than likely knew one of the Johns. It's so weird because they've never Maybe mentioned... she was in Watch Face. They've yeah, they've never mentioned the state or it like it's just it, this, right. these two worlds have never intersected except that they went oh you know they did go on Viva Variety which was Carrie Kinney's post state TV show that, that right. her and Tom Lennon and Ben Garant and Michael yeah. Ian Black had on Comedy Central they might be giants were a musical guest on it oh, okay ladies and gentlemen they might be giants. Yeah. 
So that's the only crossover that I can think of, and that happened well, years went, later. Well, she went to and she went to NYU, so yes. maybe you know the, the New York scene mm-hmm. in the '90s was not that big. I feel yeah, like maybe it was a, else. like Dave said, maybe it was a performance art thing or a performance comedy show or. You yeah. know, they, they used to know Steve Buscemi because he did like performance art and, you know, in yeah. the clubs before them and stuff. Maybe Steve Buscemi went out with Carrie Kinney. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. But, but either way, either way, I could, I, I definitely could remember her version of those songs. So oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So it makes me, makes me wonder what hat, why she's not on them. So, wow, Dave, um, I think you heard in, in that clip my shock at some of the things Ed said yeah. about fingertips. Um, there was a lot of interesting insight into where in the session that seemed to be and how that all came together. But the, I think the two big things are, one, he, he thinks that at one point Frank Black, Charles Thompson, mm-hmm. Black Francis from the Pixies was going to do one of them. How many names does this guy have? <laughs> yeah, I know. He was going to do one of them, possibly. That'd be awesome. Um, that would have been amazing. Which one do you think he'd be good for? I think Leave Me Alone would have been good. Some big, <laughs> oh, one of the big ones. It has to be, right? So he has a good, there's a lot of Frank Black and the Catholics country songs where he's got a good low kind of Maybe gravelly what's that voice. blue thing doing here? Yeah. I could, yeah. I could see him like, yeah, doing the low. What's that blue thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other biz- bizarre thing is that he he thinks, <laughs> this, is, this is a whole other, this is why this episode is going to be so long. Okay, so. He said Carrie Kinney from The State. You might know her from The State, Reno 911. She's in a lot of comedy movies. You know, I, I've been a fan of The State since the first episode premiered on MTV. I still remember that vividly. Here's the crazy thing. I reached out to Carrie Kinney in email. You did? Yes, I did. And she responded. Um, I have a weird connection to the mem- to the state that I exploited just for this. Oh, I and know. I, and I, yeah, and I don't really like doing that because it's a little weird. I didn't know you did this. Yeah, I kept this a secret wow. from Dave. I am uh, shocked. So you might be disappointed at the lack of resolution of the whole thing. What'd you say? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so this, this is what she said, and she allowed me to read her, her email on the show. She said, the truth is, I cannot confirm nor deny this story. <laughs> Sounds insane to say, but I was doing so much stuff at that time that it's possible. 1991 seems odd, though. I didn't graduate NYU until 92. That's my only question about it. Other than that, very possible. I was in a band singing on a bunch of different stuff at the time. Couldn't tell you who, what, or where, but maybe this was one of those odd times. Hope that helps. It was nice of her to get back to you. It was really nice of her to get back to what me. A nice she's, she's a famous person, and she's yeah, an she's incredibly an, funny, awesome person. I've she loved. She's a need to respond to Drek like you. <laughs> I also told Ed this. Yeah. Uh, basically, there's this is going to be a mystery forever. I think. Talk to Ed without me. <laughs> in email yeah so dave what do you think yeah like i know i believe ed because he was nice enough to do the show yeah that's that's true yeah it, it seems very strange to me that someone wouldn't know if they recorded what they might be giants or not and that ed well that's how important i'm she like is. Is, that's like a minor footnote in her life what do you think listeners uh email <laughs> us if you have a if you know any knowledge about this uh don't let start podcast at gmail.com Wow. And what a I, life. I think that's going to be the entire fingertips. Wow. D- Dave, do you have any final thoughts about fingertips before we move on? I give fingertips 10 fingers. 10 fingertips. <laughs> fingertips. Me too. I give it uh, 21 fingertips. What? <laughs> I know. We're going to now finish Apollo 18 proper with track 38 Spacesuit.
spacesuit. Uh, one could say it's an apropos. <laughs> uh, one could say it's the last track. Ending to Apollo 18. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great ending. No court in the world would convict me of being a fool for saying that. <laughs> I think funny court might. Yeah, yeah. I have an instrumental called Order in the Funny Court. Wow. I always wanted to expand on that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like the judge has like a clown nose and, right. and a little squeaky hammer. Anyway, um, spacesuit people. There's actually a little bit to talk about with this song. It's got a special history. We can let John Flansburg talk a little bit about the origins of spacesuit in this completely cut off clip <laughs> that Ooh. made me tear my hair out. They did. So you, a long time ago when the internet was new, they did this like AOL live chat with Q and a mm -hmm. with fans and they answered one of my questions. Oh, I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, really? I think it was uh cahoots was the uh, website. Huh. <laughs> they went on to big things. Like, yeah. Right. Um, they I own think, Disney now, right? Yeah. Anyway, Flansburg starts to talk about it, and then, like, the internet or something died. But we, we got a little bit of a nugget here, so, so let's check that out. Here's a question for me from Cade. Hey, guys, tell me about Spacesuit. That song gives me the chills. It's incredible. That song, Spacesuit, was actually written a long time ago. Um, I, it was, I was, for a brief period, I took guitar lessons with a guitar instructor named Jack DeSalvo in Manhattan. And, um, and um, I'll finish his thought. <laughs> and what happened is uh, this guitar instructor, Jack DeSalvo, from all I could look up, he seems to be a, a legendary, very, you know, amazing uh, guitarist. Mm -hmm. He taught him interesting jazzy chords right. that then... Probably sevenths. Yeah, maybe sevenths. Diminished, augmented, yeah. fifths. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we'll never know. He taught him these chords that ended up turning into spacesuit. I think the 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 full quote from Plansberg, he, he does talk a little bit more. Um, this might have been in an interview or on the Tumblr or something. So he says, it was originally titled I'll Remember Third Street to reflect right. its jazzy origins. But once the recording was made with the spacey synth part, its final title seems more appropriate. Yeah. So there's a few interesting things going on here, which is you've got the I'll Remember Third Street original title. Mm -hmm. But Dave... Dave, I've got a show from 1989. I don't believe you. So it's interesting yeah. to me, this song has been called Spacesuit since yeah. 1989. At least 1989. That's really interesting. That was a, a duo show they did at, I believe, John Linnell's apartment in December 89. So the tail end of 89. So that was called Spacesuit before the Apollo 18 yeah. um, theme. Exactly. Was so even a gleam in anyone's eye. Like, Spacesuit might have been the reason they made it right. Apollo 18. That's what I'm trying to say. Because there maybe Flansburg's like, you know, I want this on an album finally yeah like i've had you know i think he has a lot of uh sentimental attachment to the song because he's always talked about it being like i mean even the original title i'll remember third yeah, street that's is a very nostalgic <laughs> title yeah and kind of unlike they might be giants in a way because right. it's like very human <laughs> human yeah so and another bob dylan-y title that's right yeah so uh, and and so maybe he named it space suit you know, put that uh, wall up as he does. <laughs> and um, and then he's just like, oh, I, I really 
do want to get this down. And then maybe that inspired the whole space site, or maybe it just was a coincidence. So yeah, they played spacesuit, as he says in that, uh, the past clip I played, they played at the very first show they ever performed, which is, it's crazy that it, it, it hung in there that long. I think, I think most of those songs did not. Right. Right. As far as we understand. I looked up Jack DeSalvo and he's got some stuff on YouTube of him mm. playing guitar. And I just wanted to listen to a little clip of his playing because like this is the guy who inspired Spacesuit. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Let's hear it. Fancy noodling. Fancy footwork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was playing that with his feet. I don't know if you can tell at home. Yeah. So let's talk about what, what we're hearing in this track, in this, this track of spacesuits. Yeah. We got some some uh, chords. Yeah. Some notes. Um, I, I love, well, okay. I didn't even really say my opinion. Yeah. What's um, your goddamn opinion? This is like one of my favorite They Might Be Giant oh, songs. Wow. Um, it, you. It, it has that nostalgic feel to me, to me. Yeah. It's built in. Yeah. It has a sentimental. Um, it has like a, it, there's just like this emotion that's like coming up under it. And, you know, and it's even more because there's no lyrics. It, it's like you can kind of put your own story in there. You or, put your head in outer space. And it's also that it's in waltz time. And like waltz has like a, has like a nostalgic feel to it for whatever reason. It's like waltz reminds you of like going back to the past when everyone was waltzing. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily see a space suit as kind of like a funny contrast for what is in my mind an emotional song like the title space suit mm -hmm. cuz they could really do I mean like this band I like Piñata Land they mm -hmm. have a song about an astronaut who's like missing home and he's sure. in in love with Gets someone Gets pretty lonely up there in space Yeah I so hear. like to me like these things all <laughs> Where'd you hear that <laughs> Um, All right, you found me out. No yeah. one, no one said that. Um, to me, like it's, it's like it works. You know, even the, with the title "spacesuit," it works as like a nostalgic, emotional thing. And even the Pinata Land song about the astronaut is also a waltz. So there's this waltz outer space thing going on that we should look into. We should get our best boys on that. And yeah, there's just something about the chord progression and the the accordion melody. You know, Great melody. it's yeah, it's it's just got this five stars. It's got this like really sweet, kind of sad feel, and it definitely has that. It's the end of an album feel, which yeah. is very important to me when you're ending an album. Is I that agree. the last song? Yeah, it should feel like a last song. It should feel like a last song, or or something I like, which a couple bands do once in a while, is like have a last song and then kind of a little like after credits like yeah. and then fuck this kind of thing which, which sure. sometimes works well yeah the marvel end scene <laughs> to whet your appetite for the next movie yeah <laughs> let's listen to what's going on here we've got this a moog synthesizer i believe has i've read somewhere is in this song um okay. there's there's a lot of accordion which is is nice there's actually there's two accordions dave Mm -hmm. Two left in the left and right ear. So is Flans giving those parts to 
Linnell to transpose an accordion? Yeah, I think I think Flansburg um or is Linnell made just a riffing? little made a little demo, right. you know, um which is a very we'll, specific which melody. we'll get into in the future probably. If anyone's confused, uh we speak of the demos normally in a separate episode because there's so many that it would make every episode really long to talk constant mm-hmm. to first spend 20 minutes talking about the demo and then, you know, then the song. So we are we we're going to talk about the the original I'll remember Third Street uh, track in a future time. Oh, exciting! In a future time. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, for that accordion riff, that melody, there's he's doing octaves sort yeah, of. Yeah. So in one ear, there's, there's a, a lower register. one, and then there's a higher one, and that I think adds to the melody sounding really sweet and full. The drums, I, they're like these shuffly drums that sound pretty advanced for fake drums, in my opinion. Yeah, they're pretty. Pretty good. In my humble. Humble O. And one thing I wanted to say about the accordion in this song on a personal level is that when I got really into accordions <laughs> as as every that? young man does <laughs> uh i sort of use this song as a reference point like when i was right. trying out accordions and songs i'm like how do you make it sound like the one in spacesuit and like that led me to buy like the ones i did because i would just try like yeah. and it was just like it oh that, do that it could do it all yeah like it has the kind of sweet airy right. feel and not you know accordion some accordions sound totally different and not what you would want some have a kind of honky <laughs> like a <laughs> you know or they're they're not as like they're not as like uh smooth and like mm-hmm. i don't know crisp <laughs> sugary chocolate filled something interesting going on here uh the second time we get that accordion melody and it has a weird feel to it and i've always been like how do they do that how does it sound like that? Because the accordion sounds totally different now, in my opinion. We actually talked to Ed yeah. about this song very briefly. And Dave seems confused. <laughs> I'm not confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's let's I see. Remember. <laughs> let's see what we talked about with Ed, because I, I found it extremely interesting. So I, I don't remember much about this because I it might not have even been called spacesuit when we recorded it, because that doesn't because when I saw that name spacesuit, it didn't jump out like, oh. But it was like, this is, sort of, this is done in the last set group of sessions. Again, drum sequence, bass sequence, uh, the, you know, Flans' guitar, mm-hmm. Linnell's accordion. Oh, this is weird effect on the accordions that I think must have been done in the mix. Yeah, it was like this kind of, bam, 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 like the, the accordion kind of jumps in. And I think it must have been done in the mix. I think they might have like actually been, been playing around with the mute buttons, like automating it to make it jump out like that. Hmm. Like, I think if you played it live, it would have, it would have sounded like, it wouldn't sound like that abrupt yeah, you know yeah. I mean? it, would, it wouldn't come in out so i think that might have been done in the mix with the with the mute buttons the synthesizer thing that was part of the part of the original sequence and sampled there's another sound to the accordion or, or something that i've always wondered about the song it's when the when it does the melody like a second time might be the third time but it, it almost sounds like like people and accordion mixed together yeah, well, it was. That's Flans. That's that's Flans. That's Flans doing the. Uh, he's doing like the Star Trek type. Uh, okay, but it's uh, it's mixed in a way where you can't really process it as that. Oh it's, yeah, but it's definitely, it's definitely him. He sang along with the mel- the accordion part. Interesting. Hmm. 
this has a kind of a vibe of a 50s movie, like the, yeah. the title theme of like an Italian movie from the 50s mm-hmm. or a sci-fi movie. And that, uh, 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 that was very much like something they would do yeah. back then, like ha- have vocals joining a melody, you know, rather than singing lines, just going, ah, uh, kind of thing. So. It's just the end result is really interesting because you, I, I didn't even perceive that there was a human voice on it. He until, does sing it live. Yeah, he does yeah. it live like that. And the that. crowd does it with him usually. But yeah. the way it's mixed, it's really blended to almost make an imaginary right. instrument you know like two things to make one thing yeah that was a vocal manipulation yeah of it's, some sort it's so interesting because i've listened really hard now and it's like it's so buried it's so mm-hmm. blended with the accordion well it really does sound like accordion yeah it sounds like a new instrument almost like yeah, it sounds yeah. like there's like a rheostatic song where they he's like doing a guitar solo but also going like like with his mouth and i'm like it took me a while to be like oh, i think his voice is in there you know because it just yeah. had like a weird tone to it so i i always that was always one of my favorite things about spacesuit was that that middle section where the it, it's the according kind of does a little more subdued version of the melody which like also adds that nostalgia just like it's a more like you know relaxed kind of it's like lower and it has a different mm. sound. But yeah, the voices in there, apparently Flansburg, like really changes things. And they do do the voice thing more live, obvious yeah. live. And that also gives the nostalgic feel, makes it very heightened. Having the whole crowd sing along with that is very warm and friendly. Yeah, it's funny, like, they really only do spacesuit when it's, like, an Apollo 18 yeah. show, but, like, I I could easily see this being, like, That's a regular good. fixture, you know? And it's funny, even though it's a last song, it works really well as an opener also. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. Which gives that circular nature to the album. Well, that's funny you say that, because that 19... Is it? That, ni- <laughs> that 1989 clip, they, yeah. they opened and closed the show with spacesuit. Oh, there you go. Bookends. So, so yeah, you've got some... Like they might be giants playfulness with Ed mentioned this too. He mentions like they were kind of playing with the mute button maybe right. when they were doing the stops and starts because everything gets, it gets so quiet yeah. <laughs> that it's unnatural because there's no trail of any sort of, <laughs> there's un- unless it's extremely subtle. Is that a gate? Yeah. It almost it? sounds like a gate or, or something sort of, Hard sort of effect. And it is kind of funny and, and it is like, like we've talked a lot about, it's like, it's a sweet, sentimental, emotional song, but then there's still kind of a humor there. I think they do that because there's no air in space. Yeah, that must be the reason. <laughs> you might be on to something there. Yeah, probably not. Um, it's, it is interesting. And I'm also, a bonehead. <laughs> but, but the whole thing is airy because accordions, yeah. it's, it's all air. You use air to make yeah. the sound. and We're using air right now. We're, I, I mean, speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> but it's like they, they kind of get a little playful. <laughs> They get a little playful. Dave, will you play with me? <laughs> um, <they laughs> that's what I said on my first blind date oh with uh, Kristen. And the rest was history. And then we've got the end, which is like has the great kind of slowdown, mm-hmm. which maybe that's the oxygen running out. <laughs> yeah, you always said that to me. It was like one of our early oh, conversations really? about uh, they might be giants. You said the end of this song always reminds me of an astronaut pounding on the spaceship to get back in because his air is running out. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I've never been able to hear it the same way again. You ruined the song I for me. I don't remember saying that, but really? it's weird wow. that I came to the same idea yeah. now. I'm it's very consistent, if stuck anything. in my head for 20 plus years. Yeah, I wonder if any of that's on purpose. It, it's, it, does, it definitely feels, it's called spacesuit, <laughs> you know, and it's well, like. Well, the end feels the most, like the most ominous part of the song. Yeah. It doesn't have the same sweet, airy nature of the rest of the song. It has like a very abrupt end to it. It's like yeah. well, alarming. Yeah, I mean the chords are still in that in that zone, but the the the, the way it's slowing down and stuff, yeah, is, yeah and the and the mutes the mute mm -hmm. stuff. It's you've then you've got the synthy sound at the very end that closes it out yeah. and it kind of it kind of like blurps away, you know. Um, and kind of like two thousand and one, it it creates a new life at the end. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> it's right. The star Child. Oh, spoiler. Sorry. Yeah. Go see two thousand one. It's great. Um, Think of spacesuit the whole time. I wonder what it'd be like if you played a polyteen on top of 2001 like four times because <laughs> it's really long. Let's do it. Yeah, let's try it out. I bet it works. It have to be a lot more than four times. Yeah, I guess around around dig my grave, you've got like the the monkeys. Yeah, they're the digging, digging and stuff. And like then that's about it. But yeah, right. that's the only thing. I bet it. If <laughs> I bet in the in the spaceship, the silver spaceship will probably match up to a nice shot of a spaceship. Of, yeah, in, you know, probably. Like I would bet, I'd bet like well, somebody out there can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Forty-five, that's a good good number. Fifty's a lot. Forty's too little. Yeah. <laughs> So that's thirty-eight tracks down. Five thousand more to go. Yep. <laughs> and that they might be giants. How many albums Cannon. have we done already? That's the four? fourth. That's not bad. Four albums. But we're not done with Apollo 18, Dave. Oh. Yep. You're going to get ready to sit tight for another eight hours. No, we're going to, next episode, we're going to talk about the B-sides. I was wondering why I was tied to this chair. We're going to talk about the stuff surrounding Apollo 18. The, we're going to close it out by talking about the B-sides. And yeah, then some great we're going to do an episode. Oh, don't even some get of my me favorites. started. We're going to do an episode about the demos and stuff. So we've got at least two yeah. more Apollo 18 episodes to go. So don't cry. And then we've also got some, you know, interviews we did that are relevant to Apollo 18 and relevant. stuff. And there's a lot more material coming up on the show. If you enjoyed listening to us discuss Apollo 18 for 18 hours, uh -huh. you can email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. Me and or Dave will yep. get back to you in a flash. Yep, yep. And we'll tell you our dirty secrets. Yeah. And you could follow us on Twitter at Don't Let's Pod. Twitter is a very re relevant companion to the show. I always post the stuff we talk about and videos and pictures. That's what you call me, a relevant companion. Relevant companion, Dave. If you're interested in supporting the show, we've got a home base which is uh, coincidentally enough at, at Anchor, because an anchor is kind of like a home base. You anchor down. Anyway, it's anchor.fm. I don't think that tracks. No but... one's going to support us now after yeah. I said all that. Anchor.fm slash don't let's starch. Uh, starch? Don't let's starch. That's going to be my new uh, cooking show. Oh, that man. We're going to put on our YouTube page. Spin off. If we get enough support, if yeah. you maybe me and Dave will do it. All TMBG related food. Yeah, I actually did. We, yeah, I did buy potato starch and cornstarch recently. You thicken up your recipes, Dave. You thicken. Oh man, you thicken do you guys have up. another hour to hang around? Because I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get out of here. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, for Dave. 
Thank, thank you, you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, me. Thank you, Ed Douglas, again, especially for his fingertip stories and for all of his Apollo 18 info. Thanks to Peter Stamfell and Elma Meyer. Check out their amazing music. And thank you to our listeners for, yes. for being patient. Uh, Stick for it in there. Hanging in there between the episodes and engaging on Twitter and all that stuff. And a stuff. lot it's more fun. to come. It's one of the only positive areas of Twitter I think I, I've ever experienced yes. is, is interacting it's with people. It's where you find the love. Yeah. So goodbye. And Dave, you look like you have something to say. Space suit. Space suit.